We're curating an interconnected collection of craps and classics spanning the history of cinema. Each week's film is connected to the last by a single cast member, and so it continues forever, or until we can't be asked anymore. This week's film is... The Holiday. How's it going, George? I'm good, cheers, Dan. How are you doing, mate? You good? Very well, mate. We've got some good news, finally, on the horizon. It sounds like the UK is slowly going to come out of like lockdown. Things are going to open in the next few months. So that was really, really good news on Monday, for sure. It's, it's still quite a way away, and it, some people are forgetting that and getting excited. But um, at least we've got something to look forward to. Mm. Like For me, it's all about just having some sort of day, or even just some sort of month, that I know, well, I hope that things will be better. Yeah. Because up until now... It's just felt like endless, hasn't it? Like, and it just you just do not know when things will be back to normal. But it mm. sounds like mid June or you know late June or whatever, things will be hopefully back to normal. Even festivals, you know, coming back and you know the biggest events uh, seem to be going ahead. So yeah, happy days. And and today, um, I don't know if you're outside much, but it was like proper nice weather today. Like mm. it was really warm in the right in the middle of the day. So we've got the good news about lockdown. We've got the nicer weather, like things are looking up. Well, talking of good things, mate, have you uh, seen anything good this week? Yeah, so um, two interesting things this week, and um, both of them were documentary facts. So the first one um, was a three-part documentary I've been watching, and I've still got the, f- the third part to watch. Um, it's a documentary being shown on BBC Two, and um, it's, it's like a factual programme, hour-long each episode, and it's called Trump Takes on the World. Mm. And what it is, it's basically um, a, a roundup of Donald Trump's policies and how he acted and things, but uh, how he acted to um, uh, the other leaders of the world. And episode one takes on Europe. Episode two takes on the Middle East. And episode three, which I'm yet to watch, is all about uh, like North Korea and that sort of part of the world. And um, I'll tell you, it's literally hilarious. Like the, the stuff he pulls and like this, the way he goes about things is mental. Like I can't stand the bloke, but he is funny. Um, one like little bit I've got to tell you about. It's just so funny. He goes to this like big summit and you've got all the big le- European leaders there. You've got Merkel and you've got Macron and all that. And they're, they're saying to him, you've got to sign this NATO treaty. You've got to sign this NATO treaty. And he's umming and ah and He doesn't want to do it. He's like a spoiled kid. He's like, he's got his arms crossed. He's like, I'm not doing it. I'm yeah, doing see, it. there's a famous photograph of that, isn't there? Yes. I, yeah. I believe that was actually taken at that yeah. summit, you know. And he's like, I'm not doing it. And anyway, he um, these summits, they go on for like days and days, you know. And they're, they're, they, they take place in plush hotels. And anyway, there's lots of meetings and conferences and things. And they, they believe that they will get him to sign this really important treaty by the end of the conference, you know, they're, they're all negotiating behind the scenes. Anyway, all the leaders go out one day to the balcony um, to have tea and coffee between, you know, big meetings or whatever. And as they're having their tea and coffee, you just see about five or six helicopters plus like Air Force One just bombing off in the background. And he's just left. He's just gone. <laughs> And like, this is the sort of thing that keeps happening. Like, he just, social conventions and how things are done, he ripped up the rule book and he just did it how he wanted. And it is very funny to watch. That's the art of the deal, as he would call it, just leaving during negotiations. See ya. Yeah, that's (laughs) it, you know. And as much as I absolutely despise Donald Trump, I I can't think of someone I hate more. Um, There was a few things that he does and some of the, like, there is a bit of method to some of his madness. For example, 
Um, he didn't want to sign that treaty for NATO because it turns out America actually pays quite a lot more for NATO yeah. than anyone else. Yeah. And, you know, he, he does have a point where he says, well, hang on a minute, Germany's only paying a small proportion and we're paying loads. And so, although I don't like the way he goes about stuff, sometimes he does have a point. Um, but anyway, it's well worth a watch. It's really funny. I find it funny anyway. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And he proper shook up, you know, the political world and continues to. So that, would you say that's the greatest new BBC comedy? <laughs> Possibly. I was honestly laughing because I just find him so absurd. Yeah. I just love to see the leaders' faces and stuff and their reactions. And the good thing with this documentary is that there's lots of interviews with people that were actually in the room mm. um, when things happened. So you're getting a really good first-hand account of what actually happened in like the Oval Office, how the calls to Putin went and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, the second thing I watched this week, mate, again, it was a documentary. And this one, this next one, is a four-part documentary on Netflix. And I think it's a couple of years old. And it's called The Defiant Ones. Have you heard of it? Or I have, have you yeah. Seen oh, you have seen it with yeah. that Jimmy, Jimmy Irvine. Yeah, so basically it's, it's, one, it's one that... Um, I for a very long time didn't see and everybody in the office was talking about it and I, I actually caught up with it uh at the beginning of last year I think oh I see so yeah it's, it's a good one isn't it it's, it's a, um, an, inter- an interesting story and what I like about it is that I know quite a lot of Dr Dre's history because like you know I seen straight out of Compton and I, I I quite like his his whole story um but the other guy Jimmy Ivy I think I'm saying that right mm-hmm. um his story, to be honest, I didn't even know who he was. No. So his sort of, you know, his past and how he got to be where he is and who he produced and all his stories, I, I was all new to me. So, you know, it was really, really cool to see Dr. Dre, sort of what he does and stuff, you know, and I, and I enjoy watching that, you know, that whole sort of early 90s LA riots, all the political stuff going on. And then the other half of the documentary is all about Jimmy Iovine. And um, and then sort of towards the end of the documentary, they, they come together and then they create beats headphones and make you know billions and billions of pounds that was the most interesting um, bit for me because uh, like you i'd know quite a bit of the dre background and stuff like that but i didn't know how massive beats were obviously they are everywhere they're kind of ubiquitous headphones but i didn't realize how they did it and the and the mindset behind it is craziness oh it's mad and they go through it and they say that um you know they they basically wanted at first they wanted people in the music industry to wear them all the time so jimmy Iovine, all his artists that were you know were on his label he said you need to be wearing beats in your videos that is, that is like a rule and as soon as they started wearing it then sports stars started wearing it and as soon yeah. as sports stars start wearing it at the at the the super bowl and the champions league final blah 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 everyone then is going to be wearing them and that it just grew and just exploded it was like early I'm, influencer marketing wasn't it kind of getting big names in areas and people big on the internet to wear them and and uh, have yeah. have them visible without actually officially paying for advertising space oh yeah it's absolutely genius because every time you take a picture of a celebrity at an airport bang they got beat every mm. time you take a picture of a celebrity going out running on the track they got beat it's you know genius really and the other thing I liked about it is that um, it's quite hard to um, understand sometimes what a producer does. So whether it's Dr. Dre or this Jimmy Iovine or whoever, it's hard to know what a producer does. Like, obviously, they... You mean, the you, sorry, you mean specifically a music producer? Yeah, a music producer, absolutely. And so it was good to see, like, a bit more hands-on stuff of what they actually do, like how they draw, like, the inspiration out of the artist and how they try and, like, navigate the artist's ideas into a good constructive idea and i just i don't know it just shed a light on what a music producer would do 
And um, so that was, you know, something I enjoyed. I enjoyed watching for sure. I also like the the bits of him struggling to get his inspiration and he took what was something crazy like eight ten years or something like that isn't it to get his um newest album out yeah he is an absolute perfectionist you know he um saying that, when i was a kid have you watched the whole series yeah i have yeah i've yeah. watched it all of them well um when i was a kid i thought dr dre was just a rapper mm. and it was only like i don't know a few years ago that because he released an album in about 2016. And I remember I got it on, um, you know, Apple Music or whatever. And I noticed that Dr. Dre, like any of the rapping, and it's only then I was like, oh, okay. Like, so he he just puts it all together. Yeah, he, he was the um, producer for, for NWA and things like that. So he, that's how he, the, the rap came afterwards for him. Um, he, oh. Yeah, he was much involved in the the actual production of the music um, and the beats and things like that before before the rap became a part of him. Yeah, but yeah, like, very interesting. Really enjoyed it, and um, and that's me, mate. So, what about you, Dan? What have you been watching this week? Anything good? Yes, uh, a couple of good things. Um, one that surprised me somewhat is um, I watched uh, Wolf Creek Two. Have you ever seen Wolf Creek or Wolf Creek Two? I've seen Wolf Creek One, and I remember it being like a quite a visceral, like scary movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. So me and uh, Cass and I kind of sat down for a, another horror movie night, and because uh, she likes being scared until she's sick. Um, <laughs> uh, this time with uh, Wolf Creek Two. Now, I saw the original many years ago, and it was weirdly just before I went backpacking around Australia. So that was probably oh. a mis- yeah, probably a mistake. <laughs> um, but I remember it being that type of serial killer movie we don't tend to see as much anymore. Um, it was kind of at the tail end of the like the most recent slasher movie boom. You know, you started with Scream and stuff like that, and went into the early to late two thousands. Um, uh, but it kind of this one crossed over also with the era of like torture porn, like your sores and your hostels. So the, the, the first one certainly was kind of a mixture of those two. Uh, is that how you remember it? Yeah, um, I remember it being on the, the the more brutal side of like mm. like slasher films. You know, it didn't have much joy at all. And it was, it was. I, I know it sounds weird to say a slasher film, but if you take something like Scream, you know, it's pretty hilarious, really. Yeah. Whereas this was just brutal. It was just out back, a really horrible guy, and mm. he was just hell-bent on killing, like, you know, people. So... Yeah, very scary. Yeah. Well, I have to say, we had a blast. We had a great time watching this. Now, the main reason being is is the same reason I miss cine- cinema so much at the moment, and I'm sure it's the same for you as well, is that it's that communal viewing experience. Um, we kind of enjoyed, well, I certainly enjoyed it more because of Cass's reactions to this one, much like other films we watched <laughs> recently, like the nervous laughter and the screams and everything else uh, that goes along with a horror film. Um, if I watched this alone, I, I might not have enjoyed it as much, but I, I really, really had a great time. The the, the antagonist, you talk about being an absolute terrible bloke uh he is he's still a terrible bloke mick taylor is his name um if, for those of you who don't know he kind of picks off foreign backpackers and gives them an awful end to their life basically uh effectively tortures them or uh keeps them locked up and raped them and stuff like that he's he's a terrible terrible bloke but 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 in this one he has that same like evilness and malevolence but he has humor in this one so he's he's like a a latter freddy krueger so if you remember the later freddy krueger films and also the kind of series they did he became a bit of a comedy character a bit of comedy killer 
Um, it's the same with Mick Taylor in this one. He becomes a, a bit funnier. He's he's a very petty man, and he and that kind of makes him funny. Um, but also it makes him more dangerous and unpredictable. So he he takes things to heart, and but also it feels like you can reason with him. But then he will flip uh, at the at the at the slightest thing. So I can't say it's a great movie, but I loved every moment of it and enjoyed it. There's some great kills in it. Um, there's some really tense bits as well. And um, so, yeah, some very brutal moments. It's, it's worth a watch. Oh, well, that's interesting that, the, you know, what stuck out for me on the first movie is that I had no joy and it was very brutal and it was it was like a bit of a hard watch where mm. it sounds like the second has those scary bits. But like you said, he's become a little bit more like funny, kooky. Like there's a few bits where you can yeah. maybe raise a smile. And so that sounds good. Yeah, there's but, some, you know, there's some an improvement. Yeah, there's some brutal kills, but also some funny ones. And yeah, he's, he's yeah, that, I won't spoil it too much, but there are later on in the film specifically there's there's some funny moments. Um, Excellent. On top of that, I um, I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, it was the week that I chose Demolition Man, actually, that I was torn between watching Demolition Man and River Wild. Um, so I actually watched River Wild uh, recently, which I mentioned that it's a film uh, that I re- remember fondly. Uh, have you have you seen it, mate? I have, and I, I really, really like this yeah. film. It's, it's, um, it's really good. I mean, when was the last time you watched it, Dan? Uh, quite some time ago i think i think it was probably about seven eight years ago something like that um now it's how's it, it held up then well it, it's one of those films for me and maybe this was you as well that was on constant rotation when i first got a tv in my bedroom uh yeah. it's one of those films that were on too late for a school night but you stayed up to watch it anyway because you're a rebel um mm. but i've always always had a soft spot for this film um and yeah that hasn't changed it's really really great um Meryl Streep is uh, like a proper believable and kind of like a sympathetic wife and mother trying to get keep her family together, if you remember, um, and later trying to keep them alive as well. Uh, but her, her husband is constantly distracted at work. So, you know, ring the cliche klaxon, which most fathers are in those films back in, the, back in those days. Um, and Kevin Bacon in this is like this charming, smarmy, floppy haired bad guy who... Uh, kind of manipulates and intimidates his way through what he wants. Um, and, of course, Benjamin Bratt, uh, like I said, um, it was our connection that week. He he has a small role in this uh, before he gets summarily murdered. Um, but the thing I love... Doesn't he, play, does he play one of the sort of wardens or like the... the yeah, he's a, he's a, yeah, he's a ranger. Um, and he's kind of being a he's a he's a friend of Meryl Streep's character, and he's kind of kind of checks up on him a couple of times and realizes something's yeah. not right near the end, and um, gets gets shot and killed. Um, and there's some um, something that sticks out of that film to me. One is is him, you know, being that sort of ranger character. Yeah. Um, the second thing I always remember is how much of like a sap the um, the husband is. He's, yeah, he certainly starts off as such because Meryl Streep is the badass in this. She's a proper yeah. badass female character for the ages, I think. Um, she's the one that's the outdoorsy person. She used to be a guide on this river, so she's very action orientated. She's she loves the wild, whereas the dad is a bit more of a kind of uh, his desk type. He's a businessman. Uh, actually, I think he's an architect um, or, or some such role. Um, so yeah, he's a bit more nerdy, bespectacled guy. But then at the end, he kind of he kind of uh, makes up for it somewhat. He he really uh, shows his metal and uh, kind of uh, ends up helping Meryl Streep save the family. But the thing I love about it is 
the kind of the, the, the film's tension, it's it, it kind of mirrors the river all throughout. It's kind of one of those lofty uh, ideas I, I, <laughs> that I kind of thought of while while watching it is it starts like a calm film with with a bit of tension between the the ma- married couple and then there's a growing undercurrent of of suspense throughout so it just builds and builds and builds and it gradually builds to as as they travel down the river until it becomes like an inevitable torrent and there's just disaster waiting to happen um i, mm. I just love well, the suspense of it because they're on like rails basically they're going down a river and it's inevitable there's nothing they can do about it they're, they're heading towards it and also i remember how like creepy kevin bacon is in this film yeah. it's like he he plays that like the over familiar like guy the guy who wants to be like too friendly and he i remember there's a bit isn't there where he, he like takes the kid or teaches the kid something and you're like yeah. that's overstepping the bounds a bit and you know that he's just he's getting more involved and you're like mate just bugger off but the thing is they're on the same river they're going down the same route there's yeah. only one way you can go it's mm-hmm. oh it's awkward and well, then, then they there, yeah they? they persuade to get guided down because she's a guide because they want to get through their escaping for some reason uh, maybe a few spoilers ahead so uh, bear with if you haven't seen it maybe skip through a minute or so um so effectively they're trying to escape with money they stole from an auction uh like a cattle auction or something um and they they thought the best way to escape rather than the roads is head down the river um but one of the guys was helping them ends up dying i think they kill him uh, it's, that's left a bit ambiguous um but uh yeah effectively they use Mel streep and kevin bacon like you said he's a smarmy smarmy bloke he he befriends the kid um so he can manipulate the situation he also flirts with meryl streep in front of her husband in order to kind of uh, drive a wedge between those two um and he's thinking about these bits all the way and john c Riley is his like right hand man is is a bit dumbfounded by it or he doesn't really know what's going on he's a bit playing a bit of an idiot <laughs> uh, but that's funny it works but i just love the simplicity and, and like the linear nature to it it's it's heading for something you know what's coming you can see the characters trying to fight against it, the, the family, but the story and the raft are just heading in to the same conclusion. It's it's just turmoil. Um, I think it's really underappreciated. I think more people need to see it. Yeah, I was literally about to say the same thing. Um, I, I reckon you could ask many people who like action films, you know, and exciting movies, have you seen this film? And I bet mm. they haven't even heard of it. Mm. And um, I think that is a shame because um, it seemed to go under the radar. And luckily for me and you, it didn't. Um, but yeah, the River Wild is really good, and you talking about it just makes me want to stick yeah. it on. I love it. Yeah, if you want anyone out there, if you want a bit of suspense, uh, a film with a bit of a suspense um, and some pretty good acting, uh, bearing in mind it's a '90s flick, check it out. It's really good. Before we move on, mate, there's one more thing I want to talk about. We have got a listener question that I'd like to discuss with you. Oh, nice. A listener question. That sounds good. Okay. Yeah. So this was um, filled out on our website, which is infinitefilmclub.com by Sam in Littlehampton. So thank you, Sam. This says, hi, lads. I recently stumbled on your podcast and I'm working my way through your older episodes after starting with Demolition Man. Um, So it looks like Sam did it the wrong way around, but good to know you're going back. He says, it's killing time because I'm trying to watch the films with you. So he's actually doing it properly rather than just listening to the podcast, which I know some people do. Anyway, I have a question for you both following the announcement this week that the UK has a roadmap out of lockdown. I've been furloughed since June last year and I finally go back to work next month. It feels like I'm on the long road to freedom. So what are your favourite escape or freedom movies? Mine are Shawshank Redemption and The Rock. Keep up the good work, Sam. 
Oh, nice one. Well, thanks for the the message, Sam. And it's a, it's a great question. And I'm happy to hear that you you go back to work. You know, you're coming out of this sort of lockdown and things because that is a long time to be furloughed. Yeah, you must be bored out your skull, mate. Uh, lucky we're here to help. <laughs> oh, the only thing is, I'm jealous. The amount of time, Sam, that you probably got to watch movies and series and play computer games and all these things. So <laughs> there are some positives. <laughs> but it's like, like I said, there's good news on the horizon. We've got a roadmap to to get out this thing. So um, good luck with getting back to work and getting used to working, mate. Um, but yeah, uh, kind of escape or freedom movies now he's mentioned shawshank redemption which i don't know if you've got to that episode yet sam in fact um it's it's not on the feed at the moment so you might not even know hmm. that we did a very long episode about shawshank redemption and we both gave it 10 out of 10 so that would be on both our lists i assume it's on my list yeah. definitely shawshank redemption is um yeah i mean I, i've got a few ideas of you know escape movies that i like um but that would definitely for me come top he's also or mentioned any movie <laughs> yeah he's also mentioned the rock which uh which is a fun romp um but what else you got mate yeah um so escape movies that i like one that springs to mind um is a film called holes do you know of it and have you seen it uh, i don't think i've seen it no um so holes is um a film starring uh sheer i can't I never say his yeah um, so stars him in that it was like in the even Stevens days, you know, when he was like a little child actor. <laughs> yeah, when, and, he, wasn't um, he, when he wasn't absolutely batshit. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. When he was a sort of like you know aspiring, talented sort of you know, you know, yeah. young yeah, yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah. But basically, good story holes. What it is, he goes to he gets wrongly convicted of a, of a of a like a juvenile crime, and he goes to a. Um, uh, a prison camp um, for kids, and what and what they do in this prison camp is to teach the kids um, to keep, teach the kids uh, discipline. Um, what they do is every single day they have to go out into the desert and they have to dig a hole as wide as their shovel and as and as deep as their shovel, and it's quite a long shovel. And you've got to do this every single day. The quicker you do it, the quicker you can get back into the camp and have a drink and you know chill out. And basically, he does this for a while, and he thinks, "Fuck this, I've got to escape." And basically, him and his mate uh, at this camp they escape into the desert. And um, yeah, it's it's a really good film. It also stars um, Sigourney Weaver as, oh, the, nice. as the camp as the camp like uh, general. You know, she's cool. And um, yeah, and actually, um, another connection is um, John Voight. He's in it as a <laughs> as a sunflower uh, seed eating cowboy, uh, like warden. Yeah, like <laughs> Warden Cowboy. So Holes is a really, really good one. Um, that sounds great. That sprung to me. Yes, it's really good. It's actually a Disney movie, so it'll be on mm. Disney Plus, I'm sure. Um, the other one that sprung to mind for me, mate, um, is a film um, I really, really like. It's crap, but I like it. It's Con Air. Yes, that's on my list as well. Yes, oh, I'm glad it's on your list. I just, I just think it's uh, a great. Um, I just really like the the, the 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 way it plays out. A load of prisoners on a plane, and the plane gets taken over by fucks. Mm. I just think that's like so stupid and so awesome. So that would be my two: Conair and Holes. It's, it's uh, Conair is a bit like um, the Rock in in regards to it's it's pretty shit. Uh, but it's also amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely falls, like you say, like with The Rock and some other ones as well, into that category of like, we all know they're not great movies, but they are like also well good to watch. Yeah. So what's the heart? <laughs> On the other end of the spectrum, mate, one that's uh, not terrible and is actually a great quality film. Have you seen Room? I have seen Room and um, I really liked it. Yeah, so Brie Larson, uh, Jacob Tremblay um, have, well, Brie Larson's character's kind of been kept captive in a, in a room for I think like 
seven years um, in like just a single room. Um, and basically the film, I think after like 20 minutes or something, is just about them gaining their freedom and getting out. And it's the first time the boy has been outside because unfortunately uh, this boy is the product of rape. Um, so their captor um, is actually the man who fathered this child. Um, and it's him seeing the world outside for the first time. It's really, really it's like a, it's a great film. And, um, for, you know, it's, it's, it's darker than the freedom is the, the cap, the captivity that we've been in. Um, but it's, it's a really life affirming film and a, a great performance by Jacob, uh, Tremblay. Um, otherwise, uh, 12 years a slave, uh, of course, like absolute brutal life. This guy lived for 12 years, as as it says in the title um but the moment he gets his uh, freedom at the end is incredible but also heartbreaking seeing his family kind of moved on and he's got grandchildren and things so really brutal um couple more misery of course good shout mate misery because that's a, a proper escape movie mm. sure yeah um, uh and also finally one for me which a, a bit more a, a bit different this one it's more of like kind of escapism uh is the beach Ah, yeah, the beach, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Mm. Yeah, good shout because he, he escapes the sort of mainland and goes to this crazy island, doesn't he? Yeah, it's kind of both ways on that one. So he escapes the hustle and bustle of the world that he hates um, outside, and the he goes on about the well-trodden paths and trying to avoid them. Um, so he goes to this isolated island, but then it's all about getting off again with with your mind intact, kind of thing. So that kind of has two escapes and, and a bit of freedom in there but that yeah that kind of lent more into the freedom to me um so yeah great question sam and thanks for getting in touch anyone else who who wants to bring up anything uh, ask any questions for george and i or make some suggestions about what we want to talk about uh get in contact on infinitefilmclub.com yeah absolutely and as you mentioned dan you know the, the website like i say it's easy to you know, to send us a message and it's a great website so yeah check us out cool so we uh should we get into this week's movie mate yeah, let's do it. So let's get into the holiday. Drop the trailer. We might as well be honest with each other. Just tell me, did you sleep with her? Okay, I slept with her. You happy? Did you say, am I happy? You gotta be Oh, God, here he comes. Oh, Jasper, what's the story with you two anyway? I'm head over heels, you know? Everybody, may I introduce the newly engaged Jasper Blue? I hate my horrible life. Iris and Amanda are in exactly the same place. Where do I want to go by myself? Depressed at Christmas. Just 6,000 miles apart. Home exchange. We switch houses, cars, everything. Bingo. I need you to answer this. Are there any men in your town? Perfect. I'm here. I'm here. As one door closes, that'll be interesting. Another one opens. Oh. Hi. Hello. I'm Miles. I'm Greg. Iris's brother. Do you want some company? Yeah, love some. Excuse me. Okay, sorry about that. Boob Grace. <laughs> that was accidental. You know, Graham, I just broke up with someone. And considering that you showed up and you're insanely good-looking and probably won't remember me anyway, I'm thinking we should have sex. If you want. Is that a trick question? Seems I had it all wrong. It turns out you'll go somewhere new and meet people who make you feel worthwhile again. It's Christmas Eve, and we are going to celebrate being young and being alive. I'll be 
Sorry, that was Amanda. Find out how she is. Can you tell him I'm good? How's she doing? What's he been up to? Hold, oh, please. I can't believe that you have had sex with the woman staying in my house! <gasps> he told you that? Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Holiday. I can't believe you've had sex with Amanda. She's been there five days. And then you meet her and immediately get into her knickers. Still me. So, George, uh, do you want to give us one of your famous synopsis before we go any further? Yeah, love to, mate. So, The Holiday. Um, this is a movie about um, uh, two women. Uh, one of them lives in Los Angeles and she's just had to chuck her boyfriend out because he's cheating. Um, then you've got another woman who lives in London and she is madly in love with a guy that she works with. Um, and he's not like reciprocating that love. He's messed her about, etc. So both these women are in pretty bad place and they get chatting online and it turns out they're up for doing a house swap. So the, the lady in London goes and, um, you know, lives in the house in LA for two weeks and vice versa. And while they're living, the having this two-week holiday, living in each other's houses, um, there's a lot of romance in the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me... <laughs> sorry. Sorry for sounding so dismissive. Uh, right, let me, let, me, let me tell you the first one I found on Google. Dumped and depressed, English Rose Iris agrees to swap homes with similarly unlucky in love Californian Amanda for a much-needed break. Iris finds herself in a palatial Hollywood mansion while Amanda navigates the lanes of a picture-perfect English village. Soon enough, both lovelorn ladies bump into local lads perfect for a romantic pick-me-up. <laughs> no, the, the reason I'm laughing is because I was listening to our Demolition Man episode today, literally yeah. before we were doing this. I was I was cooking dinner and I was listening to it because obviously we, it, we record it and then when it's out, I listen back to it. You know, mm-hmm. and there was things we we're talking about, and I just thought tonight's episode is as far away from <laughs> what we've been doing as possible. Like there was a bit on the last episode where we we're talking about how Sylvester Stallone shot a light fitting through uh, a glass floor, mm. um, you know, and then they had a fight in this like 90s inspired like set piece in a museum. And I'm thinking, yeah. we've got nothing like that to talk about. Well, it's a little bit like that scene where Cameron Diaz bumps her head on the on the staircase, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that, that is the comparison because that's <laughs> as extreme as it's going to get, but we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll jump into it in a minute, mate. But uh, what's your history with The Holiday? Um, so The Holiday, I'd seen it once. And the reason I watched it um, 100% was because I'd probably watched the movie that I wanted to watch the night before with Shah. And so uh, the pressure built, you know, it, you know how it is. The, the next night you sort of like, you feel obliged to, you know, and it's polite, but, mm. um, you know, to watch what the girl would like. And so, you know, we put it on before and um, that's the only time I've ever watched it. Yes. Yeah, well, I've... I've how, when when was this, mate? Uh, this would have been probably off the top of my head, sort of 2017, 2018, okay. a couple of years ago. So quite recently. Um, I, oh. I watched it when it first came out on DVD, I believe, um, and haven't seen it since uh, because I ac- absolutely hated it. Now, um, <laughs> I'm going I'm to clarify that at that point, I was in my proper film snobby days we've all been 
we've all gone through those periods in our lives where um, we kind of get sniffy about things, sniffy about music. Oh, it's too commercial. And, you know, pop music, too commercial. Uh, you know, certain action films, you can get sniffy about it. I was, when I was at uni and uh, probably just before I was at uni, I was, I was, I got a bit sniffy about certain music m- movies and I absolutely ranted about this one. Um, so I went in and I have revisited films that I hated at that period and, and reappraised some of them and, and realized I was wrong. Uh, so I went in with this uh, to this with uh, open mind, put it that way. Oh, excellent. And like, that is, you know, the best way to be. You're right. Especially with youth comes that that snobbery or whatever it is. I got a real small story about that. Yeah. Um, I did film studies at Rockernest College, mm-hmm. and um, on the first day of film studies, uh, the the tutor just said, literally, all we're going to do for this whole session is just could you just come up to the board, just write your favourite movie or one of your favourite movies, and just tell us really quickly why. And everyone was putting these well arty films. I mean, some of these films are amazing, but. I was thinking, you're just putting that because you think it's really cool to say yeah. that. And, you know, and some of the movies, I was like, oh, I wish I said that. That's cool. I wish I said that. But I got up, and, I, and although it's not my favourite movie, it's one of them. I put Die Hard, because I really yeah. like it. And a few people laughed and stuff, and I was laughing a bit. And the tutor was like, no, 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 no. Like, you know what I mean? And he was like, professionally, to see someone come up here and put what their actual favourite movie is, rather than just what, you know, what do they actually enjoy watching? I, You know, they knew I loved watching Die Hard. I doubt that someone loves watching 2001 Space Odyssey, like, over and over again. <laughs> Mate, do you know what I mean? Die Hard was revolutionary, and, and uh, with a risk of going on about Die Hard for an hour, um, that's a great film to talk about in film studies, about how to create a compelling action film with good characters because so many films get it wrong and you could compare it to its sequels and things like that, how badly it can go wrong. That one is a tight, tight film and a great choice as a favourite film. Uh, I, there's nothing to sniff at there. I know. I wish you'd been in my class. Um, <laughs> I also realise, I, I should correct, there's a 2000 Space, 2001 Space Odyssey is a film I do really, really like. Yeah. Um, I just, what I was getting at is like, I wouldn't put it on sort of, you know, more than once a year. I wouldn't even put it on once every few years because it is a bit of a slog, even though I love the movie. Yeah. Um, whereas Die Hard, I could watch that every few months like you could and just enjoy it all the time. Yeah. So that's what I was sort of getting so, with 2000, that. But anyway, t- 2001, certainly not a, you know, Christmas uh, classic, is it? <laughs> No, no, not like the holiday. <laughs> no, so great segue, mate. Right, so this film starts with soppy music and a passionate kiss between two period costumed nameless characters. Um, and it kind of then pans away and we see Jack Black is performing the score to the movie on a piano while wa- watching it on a screen. Uh, so he's obviously yeah. a composer of some sort. Yeah. For the first two seconds, I thought to myself, hang on a minute, what the hell? Like, I didn't remember. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yes. So he's, um, he, he's a composer. Um, yeah. And so we meet Jack Black. And um, he's he's literally just waving goodbye to his um, his actress girlfriend, isn't he? Yes, and and quick link while we're at this bit, it's probably the best bit to uh, talk about it. Uh, that setup there is based on the uh, guy who was in charge of composing this movie. Do you know who that was? Um, I read it was Hans Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, who we spoke about before in our very first episode because of his. <laughs> But unfortunately, there's none of that here. It's no. so uh, mellow and, um, and, you know, it's a lot more uh, low-key. <laughs> I was waiting for the boires and they never happened. Um, so, yeah, that whole setup apparently is how Hans Zimmer does his work. So they kind of aped that. Um, then we get narration 
uh, from Kate Winslet um, over a montage. Um, it's really, really bad narration about love and Shakespeare and uplifting music over it. And it made me feel sick immediately. <laughs> well, I think what she was getting at is she was sort of uh, laying out what these people, um, where they're at or, yeah. or sort of where they're going, isn't she? So we had Jack Black and saying goodbye to his missus and she mm -hmm. said something along the lines of love is blind and so yeah. I can do a little hint what might come up later you've got Cameron Diaz in a Porsche um, she's like looking really bored of her fella or whatever and she said love fades and so again that, you know mm -hmm. that'll be explained and then I think if I'm right we, we get we get Jude Law and it says for others love is simply lost and again his his um, you know his moment will come later as, you know to, as to why she said that yeah well we, we're also we see uh, an elderly gentleman getting into bed and looking longingly at a photo of what's presumably presumably his deceased wife um, and basically Jude Law getting eye fucked in a pub <laughs> Um, and then he's, uh, um, yeah, big old eye candy. <laughs> yeah, he's a good looking bloke, fair enough. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, then we go to Kate Winslet, whose character is called Iris, and uh, she is an expert, apparently. Her narration tells us in uh, unrequited love, uh, she's wrapping a present, um, and uh, stashes it in her drawer. She's kind of you can see there's a Christmas party going on behind her and she she says that she's been in love with a man who's called jasper for three years and they've been the darkest days of her life mm. and it's all because basically he's not like reciprocating that love um he i, I think like through like the sort of chit chat and stuff she um was with him for a number of years and then he was cheating on her and she can't basically get over him can she no no she can't and it's <laughs> so <laughs> unbelievable now if the narration wasn't lazy enough, because narration on the whole is terrible. Like there's there's very 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 few times it works. We 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 learned that in in Blade Runner, it it's terrible. Um, the the one without narration is better. Um, and then if that isn't bad enough in ramming down the plot down our throats, um, we then get a friend conveniently come up to Iris and, and asks her a backstory, basically. And it basically asks her all these questions that leads Kate to Kate Winslet to kind of start explaining everything about her life and the fact that she was shagging him, but he was shagging someone else. And it's like we've talked about this quite a few times about exposition and how bad exposition can be in films. And that bit was fucking terrible. Also, the other thing I thought at this point is that in these sort of, um, well, it is like a chick flick. Uh, in these sort of chick picks, you always get this like this character who's a friend of one of the main characters who's always smoking, yeah. always talking <laughs> about like sex, and it always is the like the the one who gets yeah. all the information, like you just said, out of the main character. You know, like oh, you know, tell me why mm. you're not shagging him and what's mm. going on and all this stuff. Blah, 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 blah. And um, yeah, this person just played up to that role completely. <laughs> all these leading questions, it was it uh, is so on the nose and lazy writing, and th that that runs through this film for me. Um, a lot of lazy writing. Um, also, fact: uh, Kate Winslet and Rufus Sewell had actually, who plays um, uh, who plays Jasper, um, had actually previously been in a real life romance. So they are actually exes in in real life at this point. Ooh, awkward. Yeah. Well, they're obviously on good terms. Um, then the friend um, kind of gives, gives her advice about not contacting cheating exes, uh, which I think is fair enough. Um, and it turns out Iris has not yet filed her story. So she's working for the Daily Te Telegraph, which I'm going to talk about again later. Um, and she is kind of like a wedding correspondent, I believe. 
Oh, you know, I didn't pick up that she was a wedding. Ah, actually, it's just, Penny's just dropped because mm. in a minute she gets asked to um, cover uh, an engagement, which yeah. is you know going to be a, a right kick in the sort of ass. Yeah, so she <laughs> go, she um, goes back to file the story, doesn't she? She does, yeah. I mean, at this point, I was thinking, fucking hell, like everyone's drinking, smoking, having a good time at this party, and you're like working. Like yeah. you would have got that done before yeah, and enjoyed the party, especially, um, especially but, a wedding like, announcement. They're pigs of piss. I've written them before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically she she's in her office now alone doing a bit of work and then Jasper sort of like smoothly comes in Valley. and he to be fair the guy who plays him he's got these like eyes he's like a he's quite a I don't know what the word is but like I can imagine people getting like lost in his eyes do you know what I mean he's got that oh, yeah. look in he's very smooth yeah he's charismatic that's the way he's very like yeah very charismatic he's a very smooth operator yeah yeah you can see why she fell for him but he's also a twat yeah and this character has been repeated in many and many like mm. chick flick um i mean i don't know if it's okay to call it that but it is true more girls will like this film than men so chick flick i think that is the, the best i know. think i think calling this film a chick flick is an insult to chick flicks um <laughs> that like to, to assume that women would like this film um, unless they're oh, i'm not going to go too far unless they haven't got great taste in films um is insulting to women i think um because this isn't a film for anybody in my opinion <laughs> oh i look forward to your score at the end <laughs> so he kind of says um hey i've got you something for christmas uh, also by the way he's a column columnist so he he's actually doing pretty well for himself because they they get the big bucks when it comes to journalism uh, while she's just writing these little col- columns about weddings um and she says it's convenient because she got him a present too uh, but it turns out he wasn't talking about an actual present um and he, he didn't bring it with him and he's basically he sort of like alludes to it being something a bit sexy, a bit naughty, yeah. in the back of his car, whatever. It's uh, you know, and she gives him a really thoughtful gift. It's like a first edition of a book. So straight away you're you're thinking, oh, Kate Windsor, what a legend. And this Jasper, like what a chauvinistic, mm. good looking prick. <laughs> what a charming, really charismatic, <laughs> good looking, lovely eyed prick. Oh, do you know who you reminded me of, though? Who? Me? Um, <laughs> oh, no. You're all of that, apart from the brick bit. You know what I mean? You're charismatic, charming, all that stuff. Thanks, mate. Um, but, no, no, not, like I say, that's the truth. But um, he reminded me a lot, we'll probably have to beep his name out, but of Hugh Grant in, um, in Bridget Jones, oh, Daniel yeah. Cleaver. Yes. He he's... was well like that. He's very much that, mate. Yeah, spot on. Um, this yeah. is Bridget Jones' light. In fact, there's a fact about that later, which I'm not sure whether you uh, you know, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that at the end. Um, so what annoyed me, and I wanted to ask you, mate, is was it revealed what book it was, what first edition? No, and I was going to say exactly the same thing. That was... It, the way they set that up is it's like um, it's going to mean something sort of later on, but no, that just fizzled out. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So we get to know that he's kind of playing with her emotions a bit. He he compliments her a lot. Why are you so great? Then um, the editor um, interrupts for a speech. Like So they had a nice flirty conversation, kind of looking like they're sparking things up because they got a present for each other this Christmas, whereas they didn't do it until, what, February or March or something last year. Um, And she's a wedding correspondent, like I said, and the editor's making this big speech in front of everybody uh, because he's got a tip and he kind of picks her out and says, I've got a tip for you. There's an upcoming wedding, a huge wedding, between Jasper and Sarah. Harsh. Now, 
that editor must have known that there was something between Jasper and Iris at some point. Was he rubbing it in her face or did it, was he completely oblivious, do you think? Um, I mean, yeah, that is pretty mental. I mean, three years they were going out. So <laughs> you must have an inkling they had something, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if he knew, it was, it was pretty mean. And we get, like, the, the, the sound sort of, like, dims and then the music goes up and, like, we're just zoomed in on her face yeah. and she's, like, proper gutted, isn't she? Can I just say, Kate Winslet is a fantastic actor. Her 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 bit even here like in this terrible film she's standing there watching the love of her life she thinks at that point um kind of celebrating with his new fiance up on stage while everyone's applauding and the look on her face like kate winslet's in a different movie she's in a good movie everyone else is in a terrible movie she's she's fucking brilliant yeah she is she's a really good actress do you know who she reminds me of like a slightly younger version of is um emma thompson yeah um, she is i don't yeah. know they got the same sort of vibe, haven't they? And I think she's a really good actress as well. So yeah, Kate Winslet, amazing. And um, yeah, she definitely lit up this film. Yeah. Um, so then you see like a lawnful trip home on the train um, to her sleepy, snowy, Christmassy village uh, country cottage, which she could no way afford by writing little wedding articles for the Daily Telegraph. I'm telling you now, there's no way she can afford that country house, which is probably about a million to two million. <laughs> it is an amazing cottage. I like such a good location. It, it is absolutely idyllic, isn't it? Yeah. And that cottage is so perfectly symmetrical. Like, do you know what I mean? If you drew if you drew a, a line down the middle, like it just looks exactly how you would draw a yeah. cottage when you're a little kid. And uh, it's a very, very pretty house. I've got to say, there's a nice little moment here where she's done all this kind of lawnful uh trip home uh she's you know got a train she's walked she's whatever she's done to get home and then she finally closes the door to her cottage and then starts sobbing uncontrollably yeah as the door shuts and we're mm. still outside you can sort of hear her hear her, hear her crying from, yeah. from indoors and then and then it sort of cuts doesn't it to a completely different sort of scene it looks very very like Californian LA. It's like this lush house. And this guy basically wakes up on the sofa, dummy, in this like mansion. Yes. Ethan's his name. He's sleeping on the couch. And then he goes up to see Cameron Diaz, his obviously current girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend. Um, and she starts throwing shoes at him, I think. Yeah. I mean, he opens the door and then bang, like a, a shoe comes flying at us yeah. or flying at him. Yeah. And basically she's fuming. Um, she basically, she basically accuses him of, of banging, um, banging his secretary yeah and he the thing is though right is that i mean i know i know in the movie that obviously we've got to know that this even is a knobhead straight away but his lying was like so bad she's like you've been sleeping with the secretary he's like no i haven't <laughs> like i promise i haven't like do you know what I mean? like really bad yeah. acting like um literally awful and basically yeah she's stupid so she's throwing things at him and it, at this point we're hearing all about her so She's career driven. She's always working. She, she works too much. Sex with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and 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 so she she's a she's a busy, successful lady, isn't she? Yeah, but he does that classic uh, cheating guy's uh, ruse of gaslighting her and telling her that she works too much and it's kind of all her fault that you know really? he he feels left behind and stuff. Um, and uh, which you know successful women often I, I bet have put up with, uh, but she kicks him out. Um, but he starts then putting it back on her, gaslighting her again and saying, you screw up every relationship you've ever been in, even though he's the one that's apparently cheated. Um, and she drops a, drops a hint that she can't cry. Apparently she hasn't cried. Uh, ugh. 
Yeah, so basically she's an emotionless, um, you know, husk of a person. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, she, she is, 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 you get the impression that she sort of hasn't had, like, proper love before, you know? She hasn't felt, um, uh, you know, the poor... Because the way she spits up with this guy, he says, oh, my God, you're spitting up with me. You're not even crying. Mm. So, you know, she's not um, your typical, um, you know, your typical emotional sort of person. Yeah. And um, also, another big old trope coming up, uh, being on a balcony and like looking down and one person looking above and he, yeah. he him in his sort of like gym jams do you know what I mean and they're like arguing and stuff that happens in so many like yeah. you know sort of chick flick style films doesn't it and she starts begging him to admit that she slept with the receptionist kind of saying you know just tell me you know and this will be all be over blah 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 and the gardener this this is one bit that did make me chuckle actually the gardener <laughs> subtly shakes his head to dissuade um, Ethan from telling her um, but then he does he admits it and the gardener kind of shakes his head in disapproval um, and then she storms out of her room downstairs and then he gaslights her even more and makes her think it's all about her not him um, and she gives him a right jab which was nice followed by a right hook right jab right hook um, and he goes down like a sack of shit uh, she then storms back in the house and Catherine Hahn is there oh so this is she's one of her um, I guess assistants mm. So the reason that jumped out at me is Catherine Hahn is in something I'm watching at the moment, WandaVision. Um, so if you're watching WandaVision, anyone, I don't think you are yet, are you, George? I'm not, no, but it did intrigue me. I, I, it is on my list. So spoiler for WandaVision, so skip ahead 30 seconds or so, but Catherine Hahn has just been revealed this week to be one, uh, at least one of the main antagonists in WandaVision. She's been like a, a normal next-door neighbour character all the way through. You know, it's like a sitcom setup, um, but it mm. turns out that she is a witch and she's been controlling some characters in it. So she's just been turned out. So she, like this comedy character that you usually see in things like Step Brothers and stuff like that um, has just turned out to be the evil character in WandaVision. Um, and just put a pin in that because there's something in a bit that I want to mention about WandaVision too. So um, then cut to uh, Lindsay Lohan and James Franco, um, a trailer called Deception. Yeah, so basically um, Cameron Diaz's character, she has an awesome job is she uh, runs a company that, that that produces movie trailers and promotes them and things. And, um, yeah, we get, we get a trailer, like you say, Lindsay Lohan, James Franco, and uh, it looks like quite a good, you know, action romp. Mm. And um, she basically sort of says to her assistants, oh, we need to make that red. She says, no, not Martin Scorsese red. And I don't know, she seems like well into her movie. Yeah. And basically, she then she just goes, look, I need a break from all this. Do you know what I mean? And they say, what do you want to buy? Like, this is the busiest time of the year. And she's just like, oh. I've just let my fella like I need a break. Now, another potential spoiler for One Division. So if if uh, you're watching it again, uh, skip ahead 30 seconds. But the editor in this, uh so the the guy sitting down is John Krasinski. Do you know who John Krasinski is, mate? Uh the name rings a bell, but no, I'm not sure who he is. He is uh Jim from The Office, the American version. Um he's also Jack Ryan, uh, which is another link to um our series because we watch Clear and Present Danger. He plays Jack Ryan in the series about the Jack Ryan character. Um oh. but uh, when it comes to WandaVision, again, spoilers, potential spoilers, it is heavily rumoured um that he is going to make his first appearance in WandaVision as Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. Um, so he it's very much rumored that he's going to turn up and save the day effectively uh, so both him and Catherine Hahn may actually appear in one division although again that is simply rumors so there's another connection there so we'll see oh interesting also that's quite cool like just as a little side note that the fantastic four are finally going to get the proper 
Marvel treatment, hopefully, yeah. and actually be put into the you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm talking like I know what I'm on about, but <laughs> I know that the Fantastic Four like proper things. Yeah, and you know, fair play. It's about time they got some love. You know, <laughs> now they own the property because the last one was terrible. The first, like the Rise of the Silver Surfer and the the like the early two thousands Fantastic Four were just early 2000s films they were pretty bad then there was a 90s one which was not properly released and fucking terrible but marvel have never got their hands on it so let's let's hope he will be a great uh, mr fantastic if they do make him so but we'll we'll see um but yeah she's a genius trailer editor apparently which was not believable in the slightest she talks very basic about fonts and sizing just make it bigger and make it pop and kind of oh, she's <laughs> she doesn't come across somebody that knows what she's talking about um she then rants like you say about the female stress and its effect on beauty and then she googles vacations and tries to cry hilarity ensues uh <laughs> it's not happening she can't cry <laughs> she dismisses bora bora because they don't speak english or something and then she chooses Surrey. She goes for the Cotswolds at first, doesn't she? And then yeah. a, a picture of like this rundown LA home pops up. And she's like, oh, mm. no. Um, and then, yeah, randomly she picks Surrey. And it turns out that house that she's picked, I mean, nice house, look at house, uh, the cottage, is Kate Winslet's house. <gasps> Shock. I know. So this is where it's all coming together. Also, I've got to say, did you notice in her um, in her office there was a poster that um, <laughs> that has has massively copied our logo? I know the <laughs> bastards. Yeah, I, I know. Basically, I saw it and I thought, oh my god! Like you know what I mean? Like it's the Vertigo poster and obviously our our logo, which you amazingly you know designed and came up with, which is brilliant. Um, you know, has has elements of that. You know, it sort of like alludes to that. And so yeah, a little. Yeah, very much inspired um, by Hitchcock's Vertigo, uh, Vertigo um, poster, which uh, was Sol Bass, who's a very famous artist, and he, he did a lot of the kind of uh, uh, James Bond opening credits and stuff like that. Very famous kind of 60s, 70s type uh, type art. But um, yeah, ours, our logo, if you've ever seen it, is heavily inspired uh, by that, but not copied, uh, just inspired. No, absolutely you know what i mean you put definitely you are our own slant on it and you've done a yeah you've done a cracking job mate thank you mate uh so yeah now we go back to the cottage and iris is still sobbing uh she then very darkly contemplates gassing herself yeah this comes out of nowhere this this i just don't think this works you know what i mean i was like what like, that's mm. a bit brutal like she yeah she she sort of turns the gas on to, it was like to make a cup of tea or something and then she holds the match and and then sort of like l- looks at the camera almost as if like could i do this could i kill myself and then the dog's there and everything and then she like opens the window but i was like you know that's a bit of a stretch you know what i mean but the i only, guess love does her the only know. thing that stopped her is she got an email that was the thing that stopped her doing it um and obviously that email is amanda um so then we see like a terrible movie world chat uh, chat on the laptop you know when they really do bad designs that don't look like anything that actually happens on the internet um we get one of those and they agree <laughs> i know what you mean yeah. so good. <laughs> uh, and they agree on a home exchange sorry to la and um, one of the real, you know, important questions that Cameron Diaz asks Kate Winslet is, um, "Are there any men in your town?" And yeah. then she thinks, doesn't she? And she puts zero. Yeah. When can I come? <laughs> so, and so basically, we then cut, don't we, to Kate Winslet on a plane, um, and 
she's just about to sit next to like sort of like quite a fit guy like in her eyes like she's like oh this would be all right great flight from london to, to you know la or whatever da, da, da. he's in the wrong seat to turn yeah his missus is like no come down here and then these two old grannies come and sit next to her and she's like oh fuming so she's she's off yeah. for two weeks so that's the plan so again put a pin in that for later um then she, while she's in between those two old ladies on the plane uh, jasper drops her an email on her blackberry which is uh, again dating the movie uh being a dick again um she replies that we both know i need to fall out of love with you so please help me try which is fair enough yeah i mean yeah absolutely and like he's just such a knob do you know what i mean like he must know what how what he's doing to this poor girl do you know what i mean and everyone knows the more you text someone the more you ring them like the more they're gonna be thinking of you and stuff so yeah he's just a dickhead really and um yeah so happily she you know texts him she's look i need to get over you mm. um and then we see cameron diaz on our plane but she's having sort of more of a first class experience isn't she she's um she's laying down and it's like a, she's got a proper bed on the plane and what I did notice is that she said that one of the reasons she wants to get away is because she wants to start reading books and, you know, not magazines. Yeah, I noticed the first thing on her lap was a magazine. So <laughs> yeah, she's still trying to keep the habit. Yeah. And also, yeah. at this point, it is the first of many uh, moments where her life starts turning into a movie trailer in her mind. So she's obviously going mad. Um, she kind of gets an imaginary trailer. with those... Yeah, we keep getting that voice, don't we? Where uh, is that, Her name's Amanda. Is Yeah. Yeah, so it's like Amanda was flying to the UK or something mm. like. <laughs> and we don't get those trailers anymore. Back then, you you still did, um, uh, and unfortunately, the the guy, a very famous voice, um, has now passed away as well. But we always used to get there was like two or three very famous voiceover artists that used to do yeah. in a world that kind of stuff. And um, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of throwing back to that. Um, obviously, it was contemporary at the time. Uh, but then cut oh. cut to a taxi um, in LA. Uh, uh, gliding past beaches um, whilst winter wonderland is blasting. It's kind of like a, a very, very diehard LA with Christmas music. Um, intercut, intercut with Su- Surrey uh, with a chauffeur driven car through snowy fields and that sleepy village. Um, now the driver drops her a mile down the road so that for what I can only see, cause he couldn't turn around apparently. Um, he said, oh, you're going to have to walk from here because if I go up there, I won't be able to turn around. Um, so it's basically an excuse for her to go slip and slide for comedy effect. 100%. It's the worst excuse and it doesn't hold up because later in the movie, <laughs> yeah. he drives all the way down there. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> so- note I had for later on was, why is that driver decided it's suddenly okay to turn around at the top? Cuss, we need to see Cameron Diaz slipping and sliding all over the shop, yeah. um, holding on to branches and stuff, and just making herself look like a, a, a complete <laughs> Yeah, great comedy. Um, and then Iris gets dropped off at the palatial home in LA. Mm, absolutely. And she is buzzing with her hatch, isn't she? Because yeah. she walks in and she's like, oh my God, you know? And like, it is a world away from her small you know cramped cottage um this place is is lush and mm. um yeah it's really really nice uh so yeah they you get a kind of comparison of their reactions iris is ecstatic like you say amanda's a bit more reserved um and then amanda drives a mini for the first time on the correct side of the road um and then <laughs> with lots of screaming and squealing very annoying um then she arrives at a village shop, browses while drinking a bottle of red straight from the bottle. Um, and uh, yeah, 
Well, basically, um, she's buying munch, and the woman says, "Oh, you're having a party tonight." She's like, "Oh yeah," and basically, she's having her own party that night, isn't yeah. she? She's um, she's going to sort of lay in bed all night, watching movies, drinking, and eating. And uh, she then, yeah, she goes back. She's actually watching Little Britain, um, and uh, then her then her trailer appears on the TV uh, in a break, but. Um, another factual error she's watching little britain in the uk uh certainly back then little britain was on the bbc uh, solely on the bbc they had exclusive rights to it so it wouldn't have been on anything else there wouldn't have been any adverts therefore her trailer wouldn't have played on the tv ah oh, mate you've literally ruined the film for me now <laughs> <laughs> this is the only oh, reason i hate this film because <laughs> that yeah because that would never happen i think no. yeah definitely bbc is, is little britain and little britain is bbc 100 yeah. percent. um this next bit really did make me cringe because it's not just cameron diaz it's not just this movie but i, I hate seeing this anyway i hate seeing people dancing uh. like really stupid to and singing to a, a song like like that mr bright side I, yeah. I don't know i just does it make you cringe mate massively massively i hate it with a passion i was going to bring up the very same thing now specifically a lot in bad chick flicks this happens is it seems like those bits are specifically made just to look good in the trailer so it looks like a fun film there's a few bits there's a bit where kate winslet's in beds and starts dancing later on as well and starts kicking her feet on the bed it looks specifically just put there so in the trailer which both these bits do appear in um it looks like oh it's a fun rollick a bit of romance and but also there's some dancing in it it's just a load of bollocks and it's lazy i can't argue with that it's um yeah and it may it literally makes me turn away like i hate seeing that sort of stuff so yeah, yeah i i didn't enjoy that bit totally agree with you. um th- there was a bit actually coming up though which i did really like and um i, I mean i know how they've done it but it, it, it is effective and i just basically it's the bit where cameron diaz is um is is staring at the dog mm. um and Oh, he's just such a cute dog and the, like the way that she like winks and he winks and then she turns away and he turns away and I just thought it was really cute <laughs> yeah and also the, but what it, what I was thinking my sole thought during during that part was um, <laughs> when, when was their agreement about looking after a dog yeah I mean I did think this so I, when Kate Winslet went to LA, I thought to myself, hmm, I, I can't remember if she takes her dog with her. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right, it, it gets glossed over completely and it turns out that the dog just stays there and Cameron mm. Diaz has to look after the dog, even though you never see her look after him at all, apart from just looking at him. But um, yeah, you're right, that was skinned. Maybe that's a DVD extra. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll find out. But uh, then we go to Iris, who's using the pool at her uh, palatial home and then uh, checking out the DVD collection. God, that was a flashback for me. Um, I don't have DVDs anymore, <laughs> but I used to have an epic DVD collection that took up a whole wall in my uh, my bachelor pad back in the day. Um, so that, mm. that that brought about a bit of nostalgia for me. I'll tell you one thing, actually, which is a shame about people not having DVD or video collections and stuff anymore, is that you can't like go around someone's house or bachelor pad or whatever they've got and 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 then walk in and go oh cool and then look through them and go oh awesome do you know mm. what i mean like it's a good it's a good way to get like, a flavor of what someone likes and yeah. that's been lost completely unfortunately I, I used to judge people so much on their dvd collection this is again back yeah. in, back in my snobby film days i said Ugh, look. <laughs> oh he's got- and, like 
people would always have to have excuses about why they had mm. certain things like oh that was just that was left by figures yeah, she left present, it yeah. and, you know <laughs> yeah well, oh, you've got two of that you're like yeah <laughs> someone else would do that. Well, I can't say much because, as I've admitted uh, previously on this podcast, my first ever DVD was Pearl Harbor, so I'd be snobby against myself, really. <laughs> first ever DVD. Um, the first ever DVD I watched is um, not the worst. Um, it's basically it was Dude Wears My Car. Yeah, yeah, I remember you saying actually. Yeah, I got <laughs> yeah, I got mine free with I got mine free with my first ever DVD player. So. Ah, so it came with Pearl Harbor. So yeah. it wasn't your fault. No, it wasn't my fault. Exactly. And uh, yeah. um, there, there was a point in my life that I quite enjoyed that film, but then uh, I grew up. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, then there's a call at the front gate, and it's our connection for this week, Jack Black, who's a character called Miles. It is, yeah. So, so we meet Miles for the first time, and um, like, there's a few things about the first his first scene. I'm just like, what the fuck? So basically, he. Um, he comes round to to pick up a few things, doesn't he? Because he thinks Cameron Diaz is going to be there, yeah. and he, there's because he's because he's like a, he does musical scores. He's listening to some beautiful piece of music, and yeah. his girlfriend's like well dismissive of it. So that's just like a well on the nose way to, to let us know that she's not interested in. Yeah, him they're not right for each other. Stuff. They're not right for each other. No. Look, she doesn't like his music. Yeah, and then and then Kate Windsor comes out, says hello. You know, what's that lovely, beautiful yeah. music playing oh. over the radio and stuff? So you're like, oh, she gets it, she gets it. You know, so that's that's all good. And then the other thing is, you would not pick an eyelash out of someone's mm. eye that you have just met, COVID or no COVID. Like that is way too much. I yeah, think. horrible. Um, and what my note at this point, and bear in mind, I didn't know what was coming later on, was terrible meat cute. Now. Oh yeah, and he didn't know what was coming yet. No, Good shot, yeah. <laughs> now, bear in mind, we've talked about meat cutes uh, on this podcast quite a few times, um, uh, but this is a terrible one. And like you say, that whole eyelash thing is awful. Um, but while this is happening, uh, Iris spots like an an elderly man uh, walking past with a Zimmer frame uh, with a nurse. Um, then she goes to bed and shuts her all the electric shutters. And yeah, we'll, we'll spot in the man. That, that's going to be important later. Um, but Amanda, on the other hand, is wide awake at what must be also 1am, um, and there's a knock at a door, and it's drunk Jude Law, or Graham, uh, looking to go for a piss. Mm. When, like, he's drunk, but he's not like what I call drunk. Like, when I'm drunk, I'm fucking drunk. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm stumbling around, and like, I'm slurring and stuff. He's pretty all right. Like, to me, he's had, like, three beers. I can't <laughs> flirt like that when I'm drunk, I tell you. Yeah, ask Cass. I, I can't do it. I'm more no, like, get me some food. Have you got a fucking burger or something? <laughs> That's it. Like, rather than flirting, you want to be on the phone to Cali, like, you know, get yeah. food in, like, blah, blah, blah. No, 100%. So, like, although he says he's drunk, he's not that out of it. He's still, like, well-charming at that. Yeah. And, um... Basically, he's like, oh, how are you getting on? And she's like, oh, I'm actually going to be leaving tomorrow. This ain't working. I don't like mm. the UK. Blah, 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 blah. I know where and, and then he just goes, oh, okay. Um, anyway, are you married? <laughs> Mate, why, why are we talking about this? What, what are your thoughts on Jude Law? Basically, I really like him um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think he just, I just like him as a person. He just seems like quite a likable guy. Every time I see him in a film, I quite enjoy his performances and the second thing is i quite like some of his films as well so mm. those put together yeah i do like good law um there's a reason yeah. i asked because um basically as soon as i saw him uh, it reminded me of something because uh, this film is terrible um i don't think he's particularly great in it he's very charismatic and he's a great looking guy and he's obviously a movie star but it reminded me of something that i did back in 2011 
I used to write a blog, a film blog. Um, and oh. I did an article called, this is during the time where I was writing film reviews and things like that for, for local papers and, and stuff. Um, and um, the, the article I wrote was called The Law of Jude, which is obviously a very, very clever title because of Jude Law, um, The Law of Jude. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And what it was, um, I'm going to read an extract, but basically it was it was a theory that that I had that some actors chose to be very bad in certain films because they couldn't be asked um and very very good actors so jude law i think is a great actor in in some things uh, but just chooses to be lazy and boring in some things this is what i thought at the time he since his, his hit rate slightly better but at the time he was in a rut and i'll explain that in a sec but i just thought i'd read an extract about what i thought 10 years ago about jude law uh, <laughs> bearing in mind this is after the holiday as well so i said there are certain actors who have shown great acting chops, but seemingly insist on not bothering for the majority of their other work. Take the namesake of this phenomena as an example. Remove his attractiveness and undeniable screen presence, and Jude Law has become consistently inconsistent. This is not to say that his box office record is poor, simply that his performances don't match his success. Now, this is the zinger bit. I don't dislike Law. He's certainly charismatic, I agree with that still, and he often takes on interesting projects. I simply find myself irritated by the fact that he can, despite regular evidence to the contrary, act. Proof of this can be seen in Wild, 1997, The Talented Mr. Ripley, 1999, and Road to Perdition, 2002. His maniacal supporting characters have so far borne the freshest fruit, but recently his performances have produced a mixed bag of frozen mush. In Law's case, it would appear that the leading man tag dangles from his neck, paralysing the unfortunate facial muscles above. <laughs> Bargain brutal. That's harsh, wouldn't it? Um, I, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that. Now, I agree with all the positive said, uh, stuff I said about him, but uh, that, that was uh, because I was talking about film snobbery before. I think that was kind of on the tail end of my film snobbery. Oh, mate, that is a great way of explaining it. Say that last line again. So in Law's case, it would appear that the leading man tag dangles from his neck, paralysing the unfortunate facial muscles above. <laughs> I love that. That's a great way of explaining <laughs> it. Uh, but it's, it's nice to know that, like, you know, your views of, of you know, have softened on him. And, yeah. you know, you, you, you probably have yeah, a better view of him. I really like Jude Law. I, re I really like him. That's why, that's why I asked. And, and, and because I remembered writing something about him and it not being particularly positive, I wanted to uh, reassess it. And and I just think he was going for a bad patch of that. But, yeah, it, I, I will talk a little bit about that a bit later on. So, um Again, another thing to put a pin in. Um, but where were we? Yeah, he's Iris's brother. He's coming for a piss. He stays there usually when he's smashed. Uh, although, like you said, he's not smashed. The other thing as well is that, um, so they have a bit of flirtation. Are you married? Blah, blah, blah. And then um, after the flirting and after him going for a whiz, he basically says, look, are you all right for me just to stay? I will, I'll be out first thing in the morning. I'm like, you would never let some random bloke. I mean, I know he's meant to be good looking, but... Like, just stay. You'd be like, what? Like, who? No way. Yeah. No, this is mental. You'd be straight on the phone to the woman, like, hi, I know it's like three in the morning in LA, but like, what's going on? Your brother's walked up, he's pissed. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? It'd but, be so different. But at the end of the day, he's just the brother of someone else you don't know. He's a complete stranger, just like the person you yeah. just swapped homes with is. It's ridiculous. Uh, it is absolutely mental. But then, 
this film does operate in like a fantasy um, sphere. Mm. Like it never snows like that in the UK. You know, yeah. um, there's no, it's never that pretty. Um, so any, anything is possible in this world. Yeah. It's like Jack Black says, what was it when the wind blows? You know, anything's possible in this blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But he says something like that, doesn't he? Right. I, <laughs> obviously I wasn't listening at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but they uh they eye fuck each other quite a lot um he kisses kisses her good night on the lips um she then asks him to do it again um and then she gets really freaked out it's weird kissing a total stranger like she's never kissed somebody before um uh is it that weird kissing a total stranger not if you've ever been to under 18s um elements <laughs> this is what i'm talking about like, yeah, yeah. Um, back in the yeah, day where it used to be eight or nine strangers in one night <laughs> Yeah, that was it. You you'd go up to it's mental to think this. Like I used to talk about it to my mates sometimes. I'm like, yeah. fuck, this is what went on. You yeah. go up to behind a girl, you put your hands on their hips, you do like this dance after a couple of minutes. If their mates like nod, they would turn around and then you'd kiss them and then you'd move on to the next one. Like, what? It's so weird when you think about it. I don't think that goes on anymore, but um it may do. No. It was weird times. But mental. I mean, you're a dad. I mean, I know you've got a boy, but you know, as a dad, if you had a girl, you'd think, oh, what? Like, no way would never. you go to something like that in like never. 30, 40. Oh, God, what was your, what was your under 18s club called, mate? I'm um, so, our under 18s club was, uh, we had two, we had, we had the Opera House. Both of these were actually real nightclubs, but they just had an under 18s night. Yeah. Um, so we had the Elements and we had, um, we had the Opera House. So you'd go to one of them on a Tuesday night every month and um, just have a whale of a time. Well, anyone who is from Torquay or, or, or was from Torquay will, will know of uh, the monastery, which was an old church. Um, and mm-hmm. it was itself, like you say, a, a club, uh, usually at the weekends. Um, but on a Thursday, Friday night before uh, the club opened for the, the adults, it'd be open to under 18s and, and it was called something else. It wasn't called monastery. It was called face, face-to-face or faces, we used to call it. Um, and everybody in there was smashed off their face on cider um and nobody <laughs> gave a fuck um and it was ridiculous it's a hedonistic club with day glow everything and everything neon everywhere glow sticks playing um rave all night and uh, uh weirdly the club was such a such a horrid place it, it didn't have a license to sell alcohol so it was just full of druggies when the adults were in Oh my god, what sort of place? Like one thing that always makes me laugh at under 18s, right? Is that our one, um, you so this is the days when you're allowed to smoke indoors, and so you were allowed yeah. to smoke. So you could mm. be 14 and you were smoking, right? That was fine, but <laughs> you weren't allowed to take in chewing gum. No. no. Right? So, so, they would, pat, they would literally pat you down for chewing gum. You'd like <laughs> trying to sneak that in. It was so oh, mental. Come on, mate. I think we need to do a new podcast about under 18 clubs from when people are young and tell stories because I got loads, but we haven't got enough time to talk about them. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so good. Mate, there'll be so many people calling it because fucking everyone's got yeah, a story well, about under 18. Well, if any, anyone's got a story about under 18s clubs from when they were younger, I don't want to know about new ones. It needs to be early doors, uh, like early 2000s yeah. or something, because uh, they were weird places. Um, drop us a message on infinitefilmclub.com <laughs> or I might create a new website for uh, under 18s clubs back in the early 2000s.com. Um, oh mate that'd be so good but let's get back to the film uh, Cameron Diaz at this point she's one weirded out by kissing and she, but then she proposes having sex uh, which obviously not weird um, so it's f- weird kissing someone but fine having sex with them um, he thinks he says is that a trick question um, and then she confesses that she's not good at sex 
mm. so she's been told by her ex fella that uh, you know she's awful and um and then basically when they when they're about to go at it upstairs she grabs that bottle of brandy and looks at him doesn't she and he's like oh you're you're already better than you think <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that's right and, and off they go and then um next morning wake up and um he, he's already up in it isn't he and mm. she gets up and then he gets a call and the film's well hinting that you know he might be he might cheated on his missus or whatever. Oh, it's some Sophie calling. Oh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get that later or whatever. It's so obvious, isn't it? Um, also, he uh, she she says to him at some point, uh, foreplay is overrated," and he likes that fact. Like, oh, I can't be asked for foreplay. Uh, it's just it's all very weird approach to sex in this. Um, mm. Like, uh, like men don't like is, foreplay. Yeah, one thing. Like basically, everything you've said so far. Um, basically, it all harks back. The script in this film is just so shit. It's bad, isn't it? Yeah, really bad. It's really, it's really, really bad. You know, it just doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it's basically one like overriding theme, I think, of this movie. It, it, they don't talk like normal people talk. Mm. Um, it's not inventive or clever or witty or like, oh, that's you know, an interesting turn of phrase. It's really um, poor and basic. I mean, I'm not a scriptwriter. You know, I don't know <laughs> if I could do much better. Oh but, no, but we, it's just something that really stands out. You know no. what I mean? It really stands out. And it's done by like. Uh, Nancy Myers, isn't it? And she, she's done. She's she's worked like relatively consistently consistently since 1980. She did Private Benjamin, which is a film I don't actually mind, with Goldie Hawn. Um, mm. She did. Jumping, she's like in the army. Yeah, Jumping Jack Flash. She did mm. Father of the Bride, which I used to like when I was a kid. Uh, Jumping of, Jack Flash is an epic film. I really yeah. like that. Uh, the Parent Trap. Something's Got to Give, which I don't remember hating. And then after the holiday, she did um, It's Complicated. Uh, what the, Men Want? Is that one of hers? Uh, I don't know, actually. Uh, the Intern is hers, which is terrible. Um, so she hasn't done anything great for a while. But she, you know, it seems like this might be someone's first script or it's written by a man. I don't see it. Like it doesn't the the women I would feel should be more real. Now I'm yeah. not a woman, but I know some women, and none of them are like the women in this. Yeah. But one point, right, is do you think that the point of this sort of film is to make it like sort of fantastical to make it like? like so we're, what we're doing is we're looking at it, going that wouldn't happen, that would never happen, that would never happen. But maybe it's the point. Maybe this is like a like a like a romantic you know idea oh, of, of course of what a holiday could be you know what what an amazing adventure it could be so maybe obviously we're maybe the wrong audience we definitely are oh 100 percent. look there'll, there'll be people out there that like this but there are films in this genre say for example uh bridget jones that everything in it or most things in it are earned. Now, I don't love Bridget Jones, but I, I like it. Um, I, I don't hate it. Um, and I, I don't groan all the way through it because most of what gets set up and paid off are earned. I don't think anything in this film is earned. I think it's all just very lazily written and it's paint by numbers shite. Mm, I don't mean, but I watched Bridget Jones quite recently. We watched it on um, on Valentine's Day, Nisha. Yeah. And um, it's it's a film series I do actually like a lot. Like yeah. all of them are good. And um, we watched the first one. And um, yeah, I mean, watching this compared to that, Bridget Jones is a car above. Like, yeah, Bridget Jones is well good. written. Like even yeah. Love Actually, which is a pretty bad film as well, is better written than this. And and people are sniffy about Love Actually about how bad that is. And uh, it's better than this. And th this is a poor man's uh, Love Actually, and that's saying something. Oh, I got a lot of love for Love Actually. Like I really like it. It's um, I, I like. I, I, I think I, I like. 
like two of the segments you know there's like loads of different strands i think i like yeah. two of the strands um one of them being the emma thompson one um but uh yeah it's mostly it's, it's quite rapey and weird uh anyway uh we keep <laughs> going off another tangent um uh but anyway yeah it's awkward the next day he had like you said has that phone call uh they are both against commitment which is very very convenient um he says to her look i know we're not gonna stay together but um come to the pub later i'm gonna see some friends maybe we'll have a drink we'll have to go out sometime uh but she goes <laughs> to the airport uh but suddenly is dissuaded because she has another imaginary trailer in a world <laughs> so she goes back doesn't she and she goes um basically he goes back to the pub and um he, you know he tries to find her and he obviously she's sitting there um and then we go back to la um and we've got kate winslet wakes up in la um she's basically rocking out in bed isn't she and then jasper called trailer bait again by the way yeah absolutely just like you said you know her kicking her feet and looking like she's having a whale of a time mm -hmm. um yeah i'm sure it's in the trailer as you said and basically he wants some help with his with his book doesn't see it yeah. basically you're, you're almost going don't do it and she's like oh all right jasper I, I will help one question um why did he have to fedex her the the uh notes and the pages what instead of emailing it to her yeah, what the <laughs> fuck is that about? I don't know. Like, this was what two thousand six was it? That is a good question, and it is two thousand six. Yeah, two thousand six. Yeah. Surely you could email. Well, it might have been a big file. If it's if a manuscript for a, a book, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe their email uh, client didn't allow files over a certain size. That's that's the only forgiving thing I would say. Right. Uh, the, the only other thing I thought, maybe he likes that personal touch, that personal note, yeah. uh, scribbling on it and stuff. I don't know. Who cares? But. Or maybe it was a way of getting the address of where she was staying because like, later on he turns up. That is pure detective work. And I literally would never thought that. That's a good <laughs> chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she, yeah, all that goes on and whatever. Um, but then um, she sees the elderly man uh walking wandering the streets on his own and offers him a lift yeah um she so says you know you're lost in things or you know you seem lost and he basically says doesn't he, he goes yeah basically i live around here all the houses have changed yeah um you know he alludes that he's he's you know he, he, he's probably getting a bit senile and things and he, he just couldn't remember sort of mm. you know exactly where his house was yeah. and i gotta say this guy is well likable he's brilliant yeah i like i really like him as well yeah, i really like him and do you know who he played in another movie uh, I did have a, a look on his uh, back catalogue, actually. He played um, Mr. Freeze in the Batman series, which blew my mind. Um, so I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, so in the 1960s, you know, Batman and Robin, you know, really cheesy, yeah. cheesy series, he played Mr. Freeze, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, he also played Tuco, who's who's like the second main character in The Good, the Bad, the Ugly. And I was like, oh, my oh God, yes. I, like, I, yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah. That is like I, I to be honest, I can't see it. He doesn't no. look anything like the guy, no. you know, they really don't look alike. But um that I was like, that is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this guy, well likable, and I really like the, the all the scenes where Kate Winslet is with him because I just think the whole thing's like And really all, sweet all and of the elderly yeah. Jewish gentlemen as well. They're just all like really good and you know, they're they're guys that they're in a different movie as well and a better movie. Um, but, but one thing he says at this point, uh, she says she's from Surrey, and he says, "Oh, Car Cary Grant was from Surrey too," uh, you know, because he's on the ball. And she said, "Oh, yeah, um, he told me once, so he obviously knew Cary Grant or whatnot." Um, but yeah. Cary Grant isn't from Surrey; he's from Bristol. Oh, so that was a load of bollocks. Yeah, it's absolutely load of bollocks. Like 
I thought that. I thought, hang on, I, I've read that he's from Bristol before. So I looked it up, looked it on Wikipedia. Now, Wikipedia is not always right. He And it says he's born in Bristol, is where he started acting and stuff. So I was like, when's this Surrey stuff's come on? Looked it on the internet, and yeah, there's hundreds of people out there saying, no, he's from Bristol. He's not from Surrey. He's never had been. <laughs> so, so do you think that was just completely artistic license? They like, went, yeah, but why? Find someone from Surrey. Or, but Cary Grant's just like the ultimate old Hollywood name that you can use. Um yeah. But yeah, just don't again. Lazy writing, like don't put it in if it's not like it's not factually correct. It's another alternative universe where oh, it just works for the universe. So let's just say he's from Surrey as well. Um, they could have so easily just gone, gone. He could have gone. Where are you from then in the UK? And she could have gone. Oh, originally I was from Bristol, but um, I moved to Surrey, and yeah, that's where I live now. Exactly, oh, Bristol. Mate, like there yeah. you go. You're a better writer, mate. <laughs> You are a better I'm writer. I'm it. <laughs> um, or just Google famous people from Surrey. Which do you know what? I'm gonna do that now. Famous people. Do from... yeah. I wanna know who's Sorry. I better be some funny one. Uh, Eric Clapton. <laughs> wow, yeah. Any any film Here we go. Like, filmy Here we movie? go. Dame Julie Andrews. Oh, that is perfect. Dame Julie Andrews told me. She's yeah. from Surrey. Like, oh yeah, there. Fucking Done. Uh, Bill Nye. I mean, yeah, maybe not. But Eric Clapton, <laughs> what Lily Collins, bit young. Um but Dame Judy Andrews would have been perfect. Just get on fucking Google. Uh, Paul Weller, maybe not. Uh, Simon. That would have been funny. Oh, um, Paul Weller told me. Like, if you say that, I can act. I used to party. And Jodie Kidd. I used to party with her as well. And uh, Warwick Davies. <laughs> I was in Legend with Warwick. <laughs> no, I was, in, I was in Willow with Warwick Davies. Uh. Um, oh, that would be such a funny little line. <laughs> such a funny line if you'd said that. Yeah. Oh, well, or Warren Davies. That would be so funny. <laughs> but Dame Judy, oh, Tom Hardy, Dame Judy Andrews would have been absolutely perfect for that. Why, Carrie? It just doesn't make any sense. So again, we're getting caught up on this, but but everything is shit in this film. All right, let's just get that. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, but then he calls out what we mentioned earlier. He calls out, oh, this was some meat cute. Um, they actually dropped script lingo on the audience. And he then explains to her what a meat cute is. Um, oh. <laughs> Your size says it all. <laughs> Um, and at this point, basically, we see he's like struggling to put the key in, isn't he? Like he, he's not able to sort of get into his house. Mm. Um, she helps him, and then she has the the obligatory sort of like look around the house as she's helping him in. Yeah. Um, and he and he's got like awards, and he's got like an Oscar sort of sitting there. It looked like an Oscar, didn't he? Like you know, in his well, he had a, he had a Golden Globe and an Oscar. There's a Golden Globe on, Globe on his um, oh. mantelpiece, and there's an Oscar in his win on his windowsill. So yeah, he was a screenwriter. Um, uh, then she feels a bit sorry for him and kind of asks him out for dinner if he isn't busy. And then he says, uh, a nice line, I thought. He he says he hasn't been busy since 1978. Uh, Well-delivered line, I should say. He does it He does it well. Yeah, like I say, he's, he's, he's definitely um, one of the bright sparks of this movie. Yeah. He, he sort of stole every scene he was in. He was awesome. And basically she explains to him, doesn't she, over dinner about how she's she's got, she's getting away from Jasper and things. Yeah. You know, That's why she's come to LA for a couple of weeks. And uh, he says Jasper's a schmuck. I love the word schmuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, schmuck's an awesome word. The only thing is you just well have to be um, Jewish to say it. Like, yeah. It doesn't quite work with people like no. us. <laughs> it's cool. Um, and then uh, terrible writing again. It's so basic and route one. He says, um, I can tell you're a leading lady. You're acting like the best friend. And it's just, it's, oh, it's so cine <laughs> illiterate for a film that's mentioning cinema quite a lot. It's just terrible. Mm. Um, but then back in Surrey, 
Amanda is hungover. Oh yeah, so she's waiting. She's got the biggest hungover ever. And then, um, <laughs> and then this line, like I wrote it down, like so she's like, oh, did we, you know, do it last night? And he's like, one doesn't have sex with women if they're unconscious. And she's like, oh my god, like was I that bad? And then yeah. he's explaining to her like you know, what she was like, you know, last night and mm. stuff. And then he suggests, should we go to a restaurant in town and have lunch or whatever? Da, 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 da. And then they start having like a, a bit of an awkward sort of first date in speech mark like like is in it's not their first day mm. they've already banged but you know um they start chatting and then she finds out all, all about him and, and he finds all about her yeah it's a great date isn't it <laughs> but like we'll get to it but he leaves out a massive detail in his life and i thought that was fucking bang out of order like yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that right. a bit but uh, anyway we need, we need to talk about that because that pissed me off um yeah same but she yeah she kind of interrogates him he's a book editor it turns out he's really rich he's got a massive house um they keep giving each other cheesy side looks and looking lovingly lovingly in each other's eyes um he's getting calls we get a montage yeah uh, this oh, montage uh, oh. like dancing in the garden mm. dinner together fork on each other like put it into each other's mouth and stuff you know what i mean blah 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 blah, blah. no i heard and, this, um, this this whole yeah. whole sequence was like a um like an homage to to old 50s and 60s uh, romantic comedies and that's fine but it just doesn't work it's it's horrible and it feels forced and my toes have only just uncurled <laughs> see um if it is like a, a you know a homage to the, i didn't get it like, it didn't like, it didn't <laughs> no. it didn't i don't know i haven't seen many like 1950s rom-coms I haven't seen any probably, but mm. um, it didn't say that to me. <laughs> I just thought it was just a run-of-the-mill montage of them just sticking around. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, he drives her home in a uh, in his brand new Range Rover, um, and then she palms him off, but then kisses him. So yeah, all right, bye then. Yeah, proper mixed messages. She's basically yeah. saying, "Look, um, I'm leaving in nine days, so I don't want to see you." And then she goes, "Oh, actually, I will see you, but it's just it's all getting like, well mm. awkward or whatever." And then we flip back to LA. Um, Jack Black knocks on um, Kate's door, Kate Winslet's door, and um, basically she's having a party with uh, with the old man Arthur, isn't it? Yeah. And, and his old Jewish mates, and they're having a right old laugh. And she's like, "Do you want to come in and like, you know, um, join in?" And he's like, "Yeah, go, go on then." And um, they're actually they're having like a right old laugh, aren't they? They're all sort of having a bit of banter, you know, with each other and stuff, have a bit of wine. Mm. And yeah, obviously they they're all talking about how beautiful Marion Arthur's uh, deceased wife was, and that she was a beauty. Yeah. Uh, Miles describes his actress girlfriend, who sounds like an airhead, not into anything he does. Um, and the oldies kind of get the fact that these two might like each other, so they uh, leave the youngies to it. Um, and Miles says that um, they should see a movie sometime. Some of the ones that um, were suggested by Arthur. Um, and then he kisses on the cheek twice, which is awkward. Um, and then what's all that shit about? Oh, he says it's well, it's windy out here, and, and she goes, "Don't blow away." Absolutely awful. <laughs> also, um, when they're talking about Arthur, Jack Black and Kate Winslet, they, she slips in that he told her that he was the one who added the word "kid" to that line in Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, whoa, that's a you know what I mean? Fair play, like that's a big old like statement. Like, you know what I mean? If I could, if I could be asked, I would look up to see um, who who actually added that. But I'm sure it was just completely made up, and it was written by the same person as the rest of the script. <laughs> Yeah, um, but in Surrey, there's another trailer going on, going on about pushing guys away. Um, so she jumps out the bath and goes to Graham's house unannounced, and lo and behold, he's not alone. Um, but he's a bit vague about it. She, oh, you're not alone. What's yeah. going on? 
you know, that's it. He's very much like, um, you know, he's at the door, not opening it fully. And then, like, you know, you're not alone, are you? He's like, no. Um, and then, like, like quite sweet, his little girl, who's got, like, the most English accent you could ever have <laughs> on a little girl, um, comes to the door, and she's mega cute. And then uh, it's almost like Cameron Diaz is thinking, oh, my God, he's, like, got a wife and kids. Yeah. Um, and then another kid, he's got two kids. Like, what's going on here? And then, basically, they invite her in, don't they? And, um, yeah, it turns out he's um, uh, he's widowed. And like, he does it in the whole spelling out thing, doesn't it? I'm a W-I-D-O-W-E or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, um, last week I tried to get hold of uh, Benjamin Bratt with with no luck. Yes, this week. Yeah, but right. we we'll still hold out. Yeah. Well, this week I tried to get hold of one of the daughters who is now um, uh, in her uh, mid to late twenties, I believe. Um, unfortunately. Oh my god! She... <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, she hasn't got back to me yet. I only got in contact yesterday. To be fair to her, so if she does get back, uh, we're going to have a little chat with her about her experience um she's not acting anymore um uh but she yeah she had a couple of roles in film and tv she was in casualty like a, any british actor um but yeah i was i was hoping to get a little chat with her on the, on the podcast but lo and behold uh got palmed off again oh well the, the classic phrase i do believe in a lot is if you throw enough mud eventually like something will stick so yeah. like oh, fair play i really like that you're like you're messaging these people yeah. and I just think keep doing it to all the random people because eventually someone, who knows, it could be someone massive might go, yeah, come on then, I'll appear and that'll be awesome. So yeah, I I didn't tell you at the time, but a very long time ago, I tried to get in contact with Danny Trejo, but (laughs) I don't that is so cool but eventually mate someone will you know heed the call and you never know who might get on it might be an absolute legend so that'd be amazing thank you (laughs) i've got caps at this bit mate saying why the fuck is he hiding his kids like it's the worst thing ever that anyone could have the fact that he's a loving dad a lone dad like a single dad why is he hiding that yeah, I didn't like that at all. I just think, uh, you, you know, your kids would be the most important thing, you know, going. And the, basically, it doesn't make sense because if he's going to just have like a small fling with Cameron Diaz, then what's the problem? Like, if, yeah. if she, he's got kids, do you know what I mean? It yeah. wouldn't make any difference. No. All they're going to do is bang a few times and then she's going to go back home. Yeah, there's no plans um, for the future. Yeah. Look, we both said there's no commitment. So what's the harm? In me having kids, there's no harm. Yeah, the the harm would be if she lived in the same village mm. and he he said to her, "Look, I, I've got kids, but I don't want to introduce you to them because I'm worried that you're going to come into their life for a long time. Yeah, and then and then and then disappear. But that was never going to happen with Cameron mm. Diaz because she was going home in nine days. So that didn't make sense like at all. And I thought it was mean to not mention your kids. Yeah, so. they tried to explain it off later on, saying that he just wanted to live. <laughs> Uh, for a while 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 the kids were away he just wanted to not be a dad for a little while because it's just consumed his life but i just don't believe that if if that is your life you would talk about it especially on that long date they had yeah definitely where you find out all about each other you know etc etc um and now we see like cameron diaz um you know with the girls and they're actually really excited it's quite sweet really because i guess you know they're obviously missing their mum and you know they're excited to have an older girl in the house who they can chat with and laugh with and actually they've got the coolest um uh tent in their bedroom haven't they playroom yeah that's really cool yeah that's so yeah it's because it turns the kids like her so she must be cool um uh then while he's putting them to bed i believe she's looking at all his books now this is another thing that just it very lazy and like route one script writing in my opinion is 
the American characters are into kind of like the film side of things and the exciting creating trailers and music for movies. Then on the British side, you've got Iris who's working for a newspaper and then, and then uh, Graham who's, who's working in books. Um, so it's like the old world and the new world colliding. And it was just so lazy. Mm. And like, I mean, everything follows that formula. It's like the house, the old cottage, you know, it's tiny and dinky and it's got an open fire. Yeah. And then LA, massive house, pool, all more con, and mm. the, the windows go up and down, you know. So, yeah, you're right. It just plays into that. It just makes British, look, you know, look a certain way. And the Americans are all flash and, you know, mm. uh, up to date. <laughs> I put at this point, again, in caps in bold, how is this film still going? <laughs> well, before I watched this, like I do all the time, I always look at the runtime. And mm. um, I thought, God, it's a bit long, isn't it? Two hours 15 or two hours 18. I was like, yeah. that is a long film for this sort of subject matter. Well, mate, um, mate just yeah. in case you are holding up, because I know last week we talked about uh, Cass watching this with me and her leaving a review like we've done for the last few weeks. But we were yeah. going to watch this on Monday night. Uh, the boy went be- bed a bit later than usual. Um, and yeah. we got back in the room about quarter past nine. Um, and then and I said, oh, do you want to watch The Holiday now? And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loaded it up and it said two and a half hours. And I went, fuck that. I'm not watching that right now. You don't want to watch that right now. And she was like, nope. I said, I'll just w- watch it. <laughs> I'll watch it another time on my own. <laughs> it's far too long for a film like this. Yeah, it is. It's It's like two movies. The Because yeah. obviously it, the film is like two movies anyway. The fact that there's a, there's an LA love story and a, mm. a Surrey love story. And um, yeah, I mean, the runtime reflects that. It's a long old film. Yeah craziness um anyway she's now um arthur's pa apparently um uh <laughs> back in uh, iris back in la um he's being invited to have this night in his honor um so uh it's from sag i think the, st- uh, the screen actors guild um and this bit blows my mind again how badly written this is so they're inviting him to this night and he's saying no 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 or or they they want to do a night in his honor and he keeps refusing to have it now iris is only staying in la for two weeks she's already a few days in are you telling me that they once he says yes to this and she trains him to walk again in 10 days say but also the sag have a they have they have built an event around him within less than two weeks invited everybody uh, booked a venue got everybody there dressed the set did all this within 10 days absolute bollocks at the top of all jack black writes a piece of music for him to like <laughs> come, come out to yeah. i know it's metal i i put that i put um and also sorry him 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 being trained in the water to like walk better i yeah. put that's a lot of progress in a week and a half. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, like what? It's such a big week. He's now um, skipping yeah. up steps. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's absolutely mental. Unbelievable, mate. That, yeah. that all, you know, happened, you know, within a week and a half. What mm. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. But then um, after all that montage of him teaching, blah, blah, blah. Um, Iris takes a call from Graham um, in LA, <clears throat> in Amanda's office. Um, and then basically... Amanda calls her as well. Um, so Iris is kind of playing the middleman in a weird conversation between the two. She gets the hint that Graham uh, has slept with her. So she kind of screams at him down the phone. I can't believe you had sex with her. Um, and then awkwardly, it's still Amanda on the phone. She didn't transfer. Um, and then she does it twice. And Yeah, they just repeat the joke again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got to be honest, I, I, I did like quite, well, I did laugh. I was just going to say, that's the that's the one bit, yeah. the one bit between... Uh, the main characters that made me laugh and she's like nope still me 
Um, but I have seen it before. That's that's the joke I have seen done better elsewhere. But it, it's it's a reliable joke. Put it that way. Um, then yeah. she then she abruptly answers the phone, and lo and behold, it isn't either of them. It's Miles, um, and he offers her a company. They meet in a blockbuster, which is an old relic um, of a store, um, and he starts charmingly singing movie themes to her in a Jack Black kind of way. Mm. Um, a note on Jack Black, so. Basically, I, I really like Jack Black, and um, I, I like Jack Black being Jack Black. But I thought he was like totally wrong for this movie. Like, Same. He, I just, I, and also, I really like Kate Winslet, but they just didn't have like any sort of spark. No like, chemistry. Jude Law and yeah, at least with Jude Law and Cameron Diaz. I mean, they're not they're not a perfect couple, but mm. they, I could see them. They looked a bit like a couple to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like they yeah. just had something. Whereas these two, I mean, I, I really like both of them. I'm just mm. like, oh, they, they just didn't, yeah, no spark like you said. It just didn't work with him. Yeah. And i got to say, the weirdest fucking cameo ever. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman just standing in a video shop. What the fuck? Do you know why it's so weird though? Because it, it hasn't been set up or anything. And that is because Dustin Hoffman said he was just driving by that blockbuster video in the film and saw there were camera equipment and and a film crew in there and decided to stop in and see what was happening and because he knew nancy myers the director and writer um they they just decided to work up a scene uh quickly <laughs> in which he just ultimately made it into the film oh my god that's amazing so that because he mentions the graduate doesn't he yeah. so they obviously you know and then he looks up doesn't he that yeah. is mental and i don't even love that i hate that but it's just so weird yeah it's the best part of the film so uh then graham from the blockbuster sees his uh, girlfriend maggie in the arms of another man outside and he's under the impression that she's uh far away uh working on a film um and uh he's obviously then uh, confronts her outside while while iris watches on yeah so obviously he's like he's gutted about it and um yeah she should have been away filming but actually she's Mm -hmm. cheating on him and um, yeah, basically she says, "Look, I'm the only. Per- I know you probably won't believe me, but I actually know how you feel." And she basically says, "Yeah, yeah. Jasper, similar sort of thing. It's fucked me up." Blah 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 blah. Um, and then we get to see um, Jack, like a little montage of uh, of Jack and Kate, like dressing up Arthur, ready for his um, for his night at the his night that's been arranged hastily in a few days. Yeah. Um, and then we then we get Cameron Diaz and, and Jude Law walking in the country. Um, Jude Law with his daughters. Like it's all like I mean, it's all looking very idyllic all over the shop. After all this i've just written i am so bored <laughs> you're struggling there yeah, i'm really struggling at this point because i'd noticed obviously earlier on i'd noticed how long it was going on and i was just thinking it doesn't need to be going on this long be more yeah. efficient um but yeah in the uk then graham and amanda are kind of sharing post-coital panting aren't they they've obviously just done the deed um and yeah. they discuss their distance problems so obviously they're both getting hooked to each other a bit um but Obviously, one lives on the other side of the Atlantic. Um, so, boring problems for boring people. Um, he's in love with her, he says, um, in less than two yeah. weeks. Um, and then they have more sex. Mm, that's it. And then we cut straight back to LA. Yeah. And um, a lot of just jumping in this film, isn't there? And um, it's, it's Jack Black playing some tunes on the piano. And he's written a song for Arthur, like we mentioned. Arthur's going to be walking down the, the, the you know, to the, to the stage, you know, to this song. So that's good. And then, yeah. Um, again, this is this um, made me cringe a bit when she's like, "Oh, the song like sounds like him," mm. um, and then he said, "Oh, I used the good notes," and oh, then I put God. cringe because I was just like, "Oh, fucking horrible!" <laughs> and also the boob graze bit, which is fucking horrible. 
Um, oh yeah, that was awful. Uh, and then uh, they're they're having something to eat, and then Maggie calls him, and he palms Iris off to go see her. Um, yeah. Iris pretends to take it well, but um, he he leaves on his own, which is a dick move. What an idiot! Um, then Iris goes back to read uh, Jasper's transcript. Uh, he but yeah. he calls, uh, and uh, turns out he's turned up to surprise her. He's outside with her Christmas present. Yes. And um, so she basically gets him in, doesn't she? And um, at first, she's like sort of quite excited to see him, like mm. shocked and like happy. And you're like, you as the audience is like, no, like he's a fucking dick. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, he, 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 no, he's just an idiot. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously, she sort of has a change of heart, doesn't she? He wants her now that she doesn't want him. He's 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 just full on playing her. Um, and yeah. it then cuts to Maggie begging Miles for for, for forgiveness. Um, and Iris and Jasper are getting up close and personal on the sofa. Um, but he's being a bit shady uh, and she starts questioning him on a few bits and it turns out he's still with his fiance. Uh, so then she goes off on him and calls him out on his dickhead ways and says it's over. Um, and she's obviously, she's found her gumption. Mm. And like, I mean, I, I was happy to see like when she closed the door, she's like buzzing. Whereas you imagine the other hundred times she's had to do that or whatever, she'd yeah. like she'd probably be gutted. But this is you know she's over him now. She's done it, and it's all because of Jack Black, which is weird because they don't really have any chemistry. I didn't think, and nope. not even much romance. Like with Jude Law and Cameron Diaz, you know they're sort of all over each other all the time. Yeah. Um, whereas Jack Black and Kate Winslet, it's a weird, um, it's a weird uh, yeah. thing going on. There's just no chemistry. Uh, the, yeah, it just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, but then she dresses up to the nines. And and picks up Albert for his big night. So that's happened already somehow. Um, he buys her a corsage, which I thought was a nice move. He's an old romantic. Mm. Um, yeah. They arrive there at, at the SAG uh, ceremony, and he gets a standing ovation as he walks into his big night. Mm. Um, then, uh, as he was, uh, what, sorry, one thing I did stand out there was random. They, they sort of like walk in the front door, and like, yeah. they're like, oh, you're here. Like, do you know what mm. I mean? Like, it's not like he's backstage or anything. They just walk into the just auditorium in, and everyone's in, yeah. there. Like walks in happening. like he's turning yeah. up at a theatre or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Odd, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, he then comes up to the steps and and walks up with a hopper, skip and a jump, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, and starts being hilarious. Um, Miles then turns up um, and he says it's over with yeah. Maggie. Um, and Arthur's on stage talking about Hollywood before the blockbuster and DVDs. I love the fact that he was talking about blockbuster and DVDs as if they were they were so new and hip, uh, newfangled things, uh, which now are both defunct. <laughs> yeah, big time. I know. Within the space of ten years, both th- both blockbuster and DVDs have gone. Yeah, and then uh, two of the biggest names in movies. Do you know what I mean like yeah. they were everything? Blockbusters, mm. where you go to get movies, DVDs was the format that was the most popular by a country mile. How to watch a movie in both, like you say, ten years, book gone, never both, see again. Both have been killed by streaming. Yeah, uh, but yeah. then uh, and it's, it's funny to think though. Sorry, I was just gonna say it's funny to think that one day we'll laugh at streaming. We'll go, oh my god, yeah. can you believe that's how what? you used to get your telly? You used you know, to watch was... things on a screen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I say this all the time. I, I know for a fact. I'm, I'm, you know, it might not be one year, ten years, hundred years, whatever. We are going to be in these movies in the future. We're going to be in them. You know, we ain't going to be watching on a screen. That's not we'll even be... up for a debate. That is one hundred percent going to happen. And you know what I mean? We're going to be. And... You're going to be in the holiday, Dan. Yeah, and we'll we'll just stream things, and it will. Show around us. It's going to be mental. Um, it is. But then you'll be in sorry. Oh, can you imagine being in this film? I'd just be going around punching everybody. 
<laughs> I'd love to see you in this. You're energy. a scumbag. You're oh. a twat. You're talking nonsense. <laughs> Except, but oh, I'd go out. Be I'd, around at yeah, I'd go out for a drink with Arthur. That's what I'd do. Ask yeah. him about Carrie Carrie Grant's Surrey days. Like, really? Because <laughs> basically, actually, it turns out Arthur's a fucking liar. <laughs> Cary Grant just because he's like Cedo. Cary Grant never told you shit, mate. You didn't know him, you liar. Um, <laughs> sorry, Arthur. I actually, I actually think you're a good bloke. Um, <laughs> then uh, Miles invites himself to London for New Year's Eve, and they have a very unromantic first kiss. Yeah, absolutely, very unromantic um, first kiss. And um, back in Surrey, um, Cameron Diaz and Jude—they basically kiss for the last time, and she says, "I'll be seeing you." Um, so the same cab driver um, <laughs> rocks up, picks her up, um, and then as she as she's driving off, she starts crying, which she mentioned in the first five mm. minutes that she you know could never oh. do. So obviously Jude Law's like done something real special to her, yeah. and um, yeah, I put that note. I thought the car couldn't get so close because the, the, the cab picks her up from the house, so that's weird. Joke. And, yeah, yeah, absolute joke. Like I say, it makes a mockery of the, you know that that joke from earlier. And then, um, basically, she turns the car around. Well, she gets a driver to. She walks back up to the cottage, and then Jude Law's been falling his eyes out. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. You missed out the best bit, which is also made for the trailer, where she tells she the car's <laughs> going too slow, so she says stop, and she runs for about fifteen minutes. Um, it went on for Good far show. too long. That it was like Forrest Gump. <laughs> Why are you dedicating so long to Cameron Diaz? Just drive the car back. But it's just this uplifting music. Yes, I'm going to get my man. And like you said, she turns up the door. And typically, because he's a crier, self-admitted crier, um, he is bawling his eyes out. But fuck my life. Um, <laughs> she then invites. She then invites herself. This all the American characters here just uh, want to get invited. Just want to invite themselves places um, to the to New Year's Eve with him and his girls. He kind of says, "Oh, I've got the girls on New Year's Eve," and she's like, "Great, I'll be there," and invites herself. Um, cut to New Year's Eve. Iris with the kids. Miles with the kids. Amanda serving canapes. Graham dancing. Such fun. Everyone's dancing around the living room. And like everyone's swapping partners, you've got a brother and sister dancing, and Cameron Diaz and Jack Black dancing, and then you got the swap back to couples yeah. dancing. Uh, and also, I thought so. Cameron Diaz and Jack Black, um, it must be a little bit awkward because I think that her ex fella was here, uh, Jack Black's friend, or um, yes, yeah, because he's, he's, you know I mean? he's friends with Ethan, yeah, yeah, it's a bit awkward, like, do you know what I mean, because you, you'd probably be on Ethan's side almost, do you know what I mean, mm. so you'd be like, oh, this is weird, um, and. I just noticed something. I just realised something. You don't find out like the future plans of um, Cameron Diaz and Jude Law, do you? No, no, they're probably not together. And Jack Black and Iris <laughs> are probably not together because they had no chemistry and they realised that they, 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 he was just he, they were both rebounds for each other. Effectively, um, they got nothing in common. They don't. They 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 got no chemistry. They'll just be friends. But like that's. I just I, I only just realised that you know you 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 are left with an impression oh they they would be together forever yeah. now like they would at least say something like she would go I'm looking forward to starting my new life in Surrey but nothing like that and so actually like you, it, it does give you the impression yeah. that after New Year's Eve they all just went over yeah mate, mate there's no resolution in this film it's it's not just a bad it's badly written and badly directed it, oh, mate it, it, horrific oh this is probably a good time the credits are rolling so Dan. What did you think? How would you score this? What would you? How would you review it? How would you sum it, sum, it, sum it up? I loved it. <laughs> no, no. No, be honest. Let's be honest for a while. Okay, so like I said, I went into this with a, an open mind. Um, 
but I think my original opinion stands for for a film that is, as I mentioned earlier, so preoccupied with talking about and playing on movie and cinema tropes and and the medium of film itself, adding the like kind of trailer stuff, the talk about meat cutes and script writing and things like that. It's got screenwriting cliches in it. It's riddled. For, for a film that talks about it enough, you'd think it would be intelligent enough to know what it is, but it's riddled with tired rom-com tropes that aren't homages and stuff like that. They're just bad, and it just missed the mark nearly every single time. It's ridiculously long, like painfully long. It's an hour too long. The dialogue is dreadful in many places. It's too earnest. It's sickly sweet and saccharine. Um, and what is it saying? What's it saying? Uh, it's got nothing to say. These women are, are set free of their shackles of toxic relationships with men. You would think maybe it makes more sense for them just to um, do a house swap and realize, oh, we're really good to make some friends out of it. Not not then fall into the arms of other men uh, and sweep them off their feet. It's not empowering to women. It's it's just idealistic tosh like there's a man out there that's going to save me from depression um i was just about to kill myself but now i found jack black that's not to say i can't see why what others see in it like i understand like let me for example Shah probably liked this film didn't she not just like like loved it like she well, there you go. would put this in her top movies and she absolutely loves it and i think there's a lot of people out yeah, there that love this exactly movie. and i just don't i don't see like with bridget jones Love actually, those kind of similar era type rom coms. I can I can see what like they're not my favourite films, but I can see why people like them. With this one, I just do not get it. It's too sickly sweet. Um, I just I hate it. Two, it's two out of, two out of ten for me. Two out of ten. Yeah. And why did you give it a two? Was there any redeeming feature that gave it even a couple of points for you? Or just yeah, a few. There was a few chuckles in it, and uh, we've mentioned them here. There was a few chuckles in it, so it's yeah. not. It's yeah. yeah it's not it's, I was going to say it's not it's not 100% bad I, I really really love Kate Winslet I think she's got mm. such charisma and, and I, I think we take her for granted just like Emma Thompson we take her for granted I think yeah. Jude Law is charismatic uh, sometimes cringily so um, certain looks and things like that I really liked and do you know what i wish the whole la sequence just i like jack black but i just wish he wasn't in it and the relationship was just about kate winslet getting to know this old screenwriter and having a loving yeah. relationship with an older man that isn't romantic but it's just her getting over another man by getting to know a sweet man coming to the end of his years and, and binning off Jasper. Yeah, exactly. Just binning off that Jasper. That would have been a good art. You yeah. don't one at least one of these female roles needed to get on with their lives without needing a man. But they've both fallen into someone's arms within two weeks, and suddenly all their problems are solved. It's a load of bollocks. But two stars because there are worse films out there. I was tempted. To, I was tempted with one star, um, but because of some of the talent in there, I, I added an extra. How about you, mate? <laughs> Oh, how do I top that? No. So this film, um, what I, one thing that sort of stuck out is that you've got four massive stars in the main roles and um, Kate Winslet, I, I, I enjoyed. But I thought that the other three, you're having, you're finding three really good actors and actresses. And I really like Cameron Diaz and I really like Jack Black too and Jude Law. I think you're finding them all on like a big old off day, especially Cameron Diaz. Like 
she was really annoying in this film. And I usually like lots of her films, you know, and I find her funny and charming and, and really cool. So I thought that was a shame. I thought most of the actors didn't sort of do their, their best. Um, I completely agree with you. Like, Jack Black would have been better out of this film. That would have worked better. Just Kate Winslet get with, you know, Arthur. Not in a sexual way, but just the... Oh, that would have been good too. Way. That was really nice. No, that would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been a totally different movie. But yeah, I, I think that would have been better. Um, to be honest, like, I hated it quite as much as you and I'll tell you why um, it's because um, this isn't a very good film like I say we could go on all night about how it's it's, it's, it's not very well made and like I say uh, we have gone all night right? and we have <laughs> but um, the, what, the one small thing that like redeems it slightly is that I, I seem to be like a bit of a sucker for, for, a, for a, a movie which is about like love and, and people getting together and it doesn't matter how crap it is I can't help at the end but go Oh, that was nice. That was nice. Do you know what I mean? And so <laughs> for me, although I wouldn't give it a good score, I'd probably give it a, a three. I think that's fair. But that's probably why I'd give it an extra point over you, Dan. And that's because um, I'm a bit of a sucker for a, for a chick flick, a romance, a lovey-dovey sort of film. Mate, that's and a, that's a completely fair it. score. I thought you were going to say like a six or something. Oh, no, 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 no. Like I say, um, like I say, I mean, three, I think, yeah, I'm happy with where that lands. I mean, between me and you, that gives it a two and a half. So it's probably, you know, on the lower end of movies we've watched. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got through it. Just, just for a comparison, <laughs> mate, just to show that it's not just like this type of film, chick flicks and stuff like that. What would you rate something like Bridget Jones? I mean, I'd rate that like a seven and a half. I really like Bridget yeah, Jones. So that's, um, yeah, I was going to say seven, seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see, Notting Hill, for me, I'd give it like an eight, eight and a half because it's one of my favorite movies. I, I love it. I watched that. Um, rec- I've watched that recently and I think it really holds yeah. up. I think it really holds up. Same. I watched it again on, on Valentine's Day. Me and Charles were uh, having like a binge of like chick flicks. And um, Notting Hill is a legit great film. And um, no, so me and Dan aren't chick flick haters at all. Um, bad chick flick like haters. No, that's it. And um, yeah, so um, yeah, I think the scores we gave this film are fair, mate. Well, yeah, there we go. So yeah, that's our worst film so far. Mm. I mean, there was another stinker, which was Death Note. Yes. Um, so I, I mean, I can't remember what score we gave that. But I think I think, low. I, think I might three. have given it a three or a four, and you gave it a two and a three yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that was low. We'll have to recap one day on all our scores and things like yes. that. Yes. Um, what I've got for you, mate, I've got a quick fire like game. It's not like a massive one or anything like that. Yeah. Um, all it is, mate, is basically uh, off the back of the, the title of the film and the, and the sort of theme, Holiday, um, I came up with 10 questions, mate, that were like holiday related. Nice. And um, but, and what I did is I, I thought some of the questions might be a touch easy. So what I do is I thought I'd give them most of the questions to you about any options and just see if you can get it. If not, I'll give you a few options. I'm sure you'll get most of these, Dan. But go for we'll it. give it a go, First one then. So, is in Pulp Fiction, Vincent Vega, played by John Travolta, has just returned from a holiday in which European city? Uh, Amsterdam. Boom, Amsterdam. Absolutely correct. Mm, so one for one, mate. Well done. They uh, they they drown it in that shit in mayo. Mate, in mayo, absolutely. And you can get a glass beer in McDonald's. Actual glass beer. Yeah. Um, uh, so number two, in Lost in Translation, Scarlett Johansson is visiting which major city when she meets Bill Murray? Uh, I believe it's Tokyo. Tokyo, absolutely. Just a quick note on that. Have you ever seen Lost in Translation? Yeah, when it first came out, I saw it at the cinema um, and I really liked yeah. it and I've never revisited it. 
Oh, see, I watched it about six months ago, maybe a little bit longer. And um, it's a strange film. Like, I was waiting for it to sort of get going. It mm. didn't. And I think maybe I missed something. Is in like, you know what I mean? It, it didn't sort of hit me because I know it is critically acclaimed, but I don't know, it didn't quite work it's, for me. But it, maybe, it's a, it's a mood know. piece, isn't it? It's it's not about... Big time. Yeah, plot progression and stuff like that. Yeah. It's mood. Yeah. And all the actors are playing like, they're all... they're all play- Like Bill Murray, he's, just, he's very like... Um, um, what's the word? Like laissez-faire in it. Like yeah. he's just not like, I don't know. It's like, he's not quite there. But anyway, um, number three, um, which of the following destinations did not appear in either of the in-betweeners movies? <laughs> so the three countries I'm giving you are, are Greece, Spain, or Australia. One of those countries did not appear in those films. What one do you think it might be? I can't remember. They're in Australia in this second one. Um, so I know that, but between Greece and Spain, I'm trying to think where they were. Were they in Malia? No, I'm going to say Spain. They didn't go to Spain. That's correct. They didn't go to Spain, and mm. you're correct with um, with Malia, mate. Ah, so yes. well done. Cool. Um, number four. Um, where did the McAllister family go for Christmas in Home Alone Two? <laughs> My family's in Florida. And I'm in New York. My family's in Florida. <laughs> and I'm in New York. <laughs> oh, I knew you'd get that. Because um, I, I tested this quiz on my mates today in the Van O. Yeah. And um, they blurted out they blurted out Paris, which I think a lot of people do. Like, uh, Paris, 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 you know what I mean? But yes, good shout. I knew you'd get that, Dan. Um, number five. Um, so continuing with the holiday theme, um, Mamma Mia is set in which country? Italy, Greece, or France? Greece. It is Greece. Correct. Mm. Number six, the family in the 29th. Oh, just to go back one, Mamma Mia, another chick flick that I proper like, like really, really like. So both those films are awesome. I've only seen bits of the first one, but I have heard very good things about it and its sequel from people that don't usually like saccharine sweet musicals. Yeah, they're amazing, all of them. And the other thing that helps is that I really like ABBA. So having ABBA and a, and a move and a you know musical when it all goes together, it's it's really good. I love yeah, it. I'll take that as a recommendation, mate. I'll check it out. Big times, big talent in that as well. You know, some big actors. And- I've I've heard Pierce Brosnan um, singing in it, although that that might have been the reason I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. The, um, yeah, like I say, they um, they all have a go. They're singing, like even Colin Firth, like you know, notoriously grumpy, like you know, he has a go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so number six, um, the family in the 2019 horror uh, film Us um, went on holiday to what U.S. state? Was it California? Was it Florida? Or was it Rhode Island? Oh, I've only seen this once. Um, they were kind of weren't they lakeside somewhere? It didn't didn't feel like california or was it but then they go to like a fairground i'm gonna say rhode island because they go to like a fairground by the sea it's actually california ah it is california shite but you're right they do go to a lake in that film you know which which looks more inland they do go to a fair which it's got that rhode island that atlantic city look and so you know, um, yeah, I can see why you went with Rhode Island. Um, I need to revisit seven, that. Sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt, but oh, I need yeah. to I need to revisit that. Yeah, right. Get onto it because I would love to uh, watch that and dissect that with you because mm. that is cool. Yeah. Um, 
Number seven, um, in the first Taken film, Liam Neeson's daughter is following you two around Europe. But what city was she taken in? Is this the, the first one, did you say? The first one. Uh, it's Paris, isn't it? It is Paris. Mm. Well done. Yeah, she's in that very, um, very, um, very pa Parisian uh, apartment, isn't she? She is indeed, yeah, when she gets snatched. And um, that's a, a bit of a guilty pleasure. I mean, it's not a great film, but I do like... Oh, mate, I love it. I love a good revenge film. Uh, I, I enjoy the Taken films, yeah. even though they they got diminishing returns again. Like Each one's worse than the previous, but I still like them. Mm, like I say, good harmless fan. Yeah. <laughs> Um, number eight, what country did Mr. Bean go to on holiday in his 2017, sorry, 2007 movie sequel? Oh, uh, the sequel. Because uh, it goes to America, doesn't he, in the first one? Or is that the second one? He does. He goes to America in the first one. And, and the second one, in fact, is called Mr. Bean's Holiday. Ah, uh, okay. I don't actually know this one. I don't know whether I've seen it, but I'm going to guess he goes to France. <laughs> that's a good guess because hey. it is correct well done mate and um have you got any idea what film festival he might go to in that film oh, does he go does he go to Cannes? <laughs> yeah he does yeah he does um that rings well, a bell that, yeah that rings a bell actually that rings a bell yeah like i say but i'm sure you've seen it sort of you know somewhere Probably. if not ethan will love it in the future you know <laughs> he, all over mate, it. <laughs> he loves mr bean he loves him he watches the cartoon oh, as well the, Oh, nice. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. Um, number nine, then. Um, what country did the group travel to in the 2019 horror film Midsommar? <laughs> uh, Sweden. Correct. It was Sweden. And finally, number 10, uh, the family in the 2012 film The Impossible are on holiday in which country? I think it was... It was during... It was... Based on the Boxing Day tsunami, uh, which hit a lot of East Asia, I think it went, they were in Thailand. They were in Thailand. Yeah. Well done, mate. So you did crack in on the holiday movie quiz. You got um, one, one wrong. You did amazing. Yeah, but like I say, nine out of ten. And also it makes just me just want to go on holiday so bad. <laughs> yeah, so, me too. Yeah, I'm gagging for a holiday. It's bittersweet, but well done, mate. You did very, very well. Actually. Thank you, mate. Now, what I've done is something a little bit different. So, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this film reminded me that I had a blog many a year ago, uh, a film blog. So, now what I've done is I've gone back to that blog and I've grabbed the final paragraphs from some reviews that I wrote. <laughs> I like this already. This will be good. I want you to guess what films I'm reviewing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so oh this is good bear in mind all these films they're all released between 2011 and 2012 as far as i can recall um i've replaced any major clues with the word blank or blanks all right um so that'll come yep. up occasionally um there's only five of them um but there's a bit of reading involved so i'm going to read you the final paragraph for, for each of these reviews and um bear in mind in this uh, this blog um, was kind of it was named after uh, a quote in, from Big Trouble in Little China. So, um, or, or in fact, it was named after his vehicle, which he calls the 
Pork Chop Express. Now, I called the blog the Pork Chop Address, where I was addressing movie queries and stuff like that. Uh, it was a deep dive, but that's that's explained. So, And he also talked about things on the Richter scale. He talked about this storm on the Richter scale. So I my rating system was on a Richter scale. So a film would be five on the Richter scale or 10 on the Richter scale, etc. So I'll, Love it. I'll also, that is awesome. I'll also give you the score that I gave the film, okay? Go for it. I love it. So question one. With a cast that reads like a news of the world phone book, topical reference there, blank was always going to require something special to live up to the billing. An archetypal pandemic flick wouldn't be enough for such a gathering of A-listers. Luckily, Steven Soderbergh deals with the subject with a clear objective and a steady hand. Uh, so... The clue is the pandemic bit. Mm. Oh, um, I don't know if he directed it. Is it the day after tomorrow? No, it's not. No, it's it's a proper pandemic. It's not a zombie film. I gave it six point. Uh, sorry, seven point six on the Richter scale. By the way, seven point six. So I guess that means you quite liked it. Mm. Um, so it's got a big cast the, the, and it's got it's got a listers in as well. Yeah. So the, the the big clues are it's a big movie. It's about a pandemic full of a-listers um and it's directed by steven soderbergh um i'm just trying to think of films about like pandemic and things I actually like i know it's not this but i was gonna say outbreak but that's way no. before that isn't it i actually watched this film and and this film was actually uh quite a lot talked about when the current pandemic was spreading around the world people watched this film and uh for a bit of research effectively and a government minister actually mentioned recently that they got an idea from this film that is mental do you know what i I don't think i've seen well maybe you have when i see it but when you say it but i reckon you've got to tell me it's i'm not sure i've seen it because i think it would have stood out it's contagion oh okay i haven't seen it but I have heard of it. Yeah. Um, and I know it's got some big old names in. Um, oh, I should have got that. Shame. Uh, number but two. But you quite like it, Dan, because you gave it a 7.6. I did. I quite liked it, yeah. Um, number two. Nice. Recent summer blockbusters have been aiming for dark realism rather than comic joy, but Blank manages to find a satisfying middle ground between intelligence and full-blown entertainment. Action doesn't have to be mindless, and intelligence doesn't have to be dour. Your case in point only took a spot-on ensemble cast, several origin films, and the best writing talent in Hollywood. What took them so long? The big payoff really paid off. 9.2 on the Richter scale. Oh, fucking hell. So this is a good film. Well, I like it. You might not. So this sounds like it's like uh, some sort of like spy thriller? No. So oh. So let me... The, the few clues. Uh, it was a summer blockbuster. Um yeah comic joy uh full-blown entertainment okay it's massive ensemble cast uh several origin films led up to it ah so it's a 2011-2012 superhero film several origin films led up to it um oh um is it the avengers yeah avengers assemble Avengers Assemble, because like that had what you know, what four uh, origin movies? More than that, right? 
So a good score, nine on the Richter. Yeah, I really enjoyed it at the time. I think I'd probably rate it lower now, but um, I was caught up in that film because it blew my mind that all my favourite characters from when I used to read comics were now up on the big screen. <laughs> now, number three. Beauty and Wonder, the film undoubtedly delivers, but answers and fulfilment are light years away from this otherwise honourable effort. The blank lineage is tangibly interwoven throughout, but it shares the greater part of its themes with Scott's seminal sci-fi masterpiece, Blade Runner, 1982. Unfortunately, it doesn't stand up to either in quality or longevity. 6.8 on the Richter scale. Okay, so... Not quite as good as um, Avengers Assemble. And could you pick out the um, the the major points as well for me to mull yeah. over? It's a beautiful and wondrous film. It doesn't okay. have the answers that a lot of people were hoping for. It was hyped up at the time. It didn't have all the answers and fulfilment that everyone was looking for. Um, it's mm. part of a franchise of films that it doesn't share its themes as closely as Blade Runner did. Um, and the director is Scott, as in Ridley Scott. Oh, I, I know this. This will be Prometheus. Correct. Well done, mate. Well worked out. Cheers, mate. Like it's it's a good it's a good way to do it. Like you build it. Like you're like because so, for example, you said it's a series. Like, okay, and then it's then it's like, but it didn't have any answers. And obviously, yeah. Prometheus is like a shit ending. And you know, so you just build it. You build a picture, and then you go, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You you could have had the, like I've removed the biggest clue because the line originally went. The alien lineage is tangibly interwoven throughout, but it shares the greater part yeah. of its themes with Scott's seminal sci-fi masterpiece, Blade Runner. Yeah. Which obviously we reviewed gotcha. on this program. Yeah. Right, penultimate one, number four. This new world is begging to be explored, and the loose ends are waiting to be joined. Sequels are inevitable, but the disappointment doesn't have to be. Now that the obligatory first appearance is in the bag, let's hope for a bright future with new enemies, more adversity, more action, and much, much more Pete and Gwen. Fear not, blank fans. The ante may soon be upped. There's a very big clue in that last line, by the way. So read that last bit again. You said Pete and Gwen. Yeah. So, <laughs> by the way, it's 7.2 on the Richter scale. Yeah, so the last, quite liked it. The last line, I, I did a very, a very tedious pun, um, but I, I was quite proud of myself when I read it back. So, fear not, blank fans. The ante may soon be upped. Yeah, the ante may soon be up. Yeah. Mm. And if you can give me the main um, points of the thing as well again, yeah. the, of the review. So it's a, a start of a new world, um, a, a new version of a world that had been done before um seek this is the first in what ended up only being two films but it was expected to be more and it starred two characters called pete or peter and gwen oh uh, is this peter parker spider-man the andrew garfield one it is yes emma stone is the is the girl is yes. gwen stacy yeah yes so what's that part at the end? So this is the Amazing Spider-Man, and the last line is "Fear not, blank fans. The anti May soon be upped." Now, if you're a Spider-Man fan, you'll know that Pete's Aunt May, Aunt May, Aunt May, Auntie May. <laughs> that is fucking awesome, Auntie May. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, that is good. That is good. Right, final one, mate. Final one, number five. A bit of a shorter one. With blank, he earned his wings, and with blank, he soared. 
This final instalment glides to a sombre crescendo and is a fitting end to the best superhero trilogy ever. The epic is over and he really has given us everything. Oh, oh, okay. It's got to be um, The Dark Knight Rises. Correct. Well done, mate. Yeah, so it was... Wait. Originally, it was with Batman Begins, he earned his wings, and with The Dark yeah. Knight, he soared. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. And what was your score? That was 9.1 on the Richter scale. No, good score. Mm. Good score. Mate, they, those reviews are really good. Like, that is in... They're, they're, the way you've like written them, they're witty and they like. You know what I mean, they're funny. Like they, you've got a talent for doing that. It's good. Thank you, mate. I used to do it. I used to get paid pittance for it back in the day, doing it for local uh, uh, newspapers. But uh, took up too much time. Yeah, didn't really pay. Good. Didn't pay enough. Um, just before uh, we leave, mate, um, there's only one thing left to do. Buzzing. So we get to find out what next week's movie is going to be. Yes. So where do you think I've gone, mate? Genre-wise, I think you're going to go with something. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna rip the holiday to shreds. Is in it's gonna be it's gonna be either fighting or action or or dinosaurs or something. It's gonna be very very different to this movie. You're so that you're, you're right, mate. You're right. I've chosen a palate cleanser. A palate cleanser. I think we needed it. So where did you go? Um, I mean, there's quite a lot of options in this film. Well, there's three quite big options. Uh, you know, in, in the main sort of cast avoid them she wouldn't have jack black uh, uh, do you know what i'm gonna give you a big hint uh the actor i have chosen uh is i think listed as uncredited wow so credited so someone who had the smallest part ever in this movie yeah so randomly did you pick dustin hoffman <laughs> no but the the character the actor that appears for l maybe a little bit longer than dustin hoffman Wow. Um, is it the person who is walking with the old man, Arthur? Uh, no. It's it's a it's a famous actor. Oh, I knew. Have you got James Franco? I have, yes. Oh, okay. And just off the top of my head, have you gone with the original Spider-Man movie? No. I, that, do you know what? That was going to be what I chose. That was, that was going oh. to be my choice. In fact, I was going to go for number two randomly uh, because I think it's the superior Spider-Man film. Uh, but no, I didn't. Um, annoyingly, I think, from what I remember, this role is also a very small role. Okay, so it's James Franco just in and out. So I'm, I'm not sure whether you'll guess it because I forgot he was in this, to be honest. So I don't know if you want me to just give it to you. Okay, but, or maybe tell me a little bit about the film. What's the genre? What's the vibe? Okay, it's a horror film. I'm not going to tell you who it stars, I don't think, uh, because I think that would give it away. Uh, it's from 2006, the same year as oh, The Holiday. Just to show you that they did make other films that year. Um, whether this is a good one or not, I'm not going to spoil. It's, a, it's specifically, I think you might get it when I tell you this, it's a remake and it's a folk horror film. The first thing that came to my head, I don't think it was 2006, it was the Wicker Man remake. It is the Wicker Man remake. It's the Wicker Man remake? <laughs> yes. Wow. I've, I've never seen it. And is this the one with Nicolas Cage in? Yes. Well, just to say, I, I literally love the original Wicker Man. It's such an amazing film. It's great, isn't and it? I've never seen... I've, yeah, it's really good. And I've never seen the remake. And... Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm, intri I'm intrigued to watch it. 
I watched it like it's it's hilarious. And do you remember those clips I showed you of Nick Cage acting over the top? And the, there's those yeah. there's those bits where he's getting the bees put in his helmet and he's punching those women in the face <laughs> while dressed as a bear. I I can't wait to watch it and talk about it. It's going to be hilarious. Oh mate, that is a. I, I was right in thinking it's going to be a world away from um, <laughs> from the holiday. <laughs> I was looking. That's literally what I was doing. I was scouring for something that was just going to cleanse our palates from the holiday and this is the best one i found <laughs> so you can catch the wicker man uh on two different platforms you can choose prime video which uh, most of you will have but also uh since i actually chosen i've just noticed that it's come up on stars which is currently on the Dis- disney plus okay so stars is like a disney plus film yeah so it's added this week stars it's a whole new category of films on disney plus have you still got disney plus i have well i say i'm i'm nicking it off a friend yeah okay so so it's it's got um a whole raft of films and tv shows from uh, properties that disney have acquired so studios and um old old film rights and things like that so it includes all like the diehard films and and um series like modern family and stuff like that it's all like more adult stuff than the rest of uh, uh the rest of disney plus so um it and it's for the same price as disney plus has always been so um if you haven't for a while check out uh, what's what's new on there, including Wickerman? Oh, that's cool. That's cool because I was um I was wondering how is Disney going to play it because they've acquired some like adult stuff like you say, but obviously Disney is like Disney. They, they don't really get into like diehards and you know sort of like adult stuff really. So they're obviously doing it through a platform called Stars, you yeah. know, through Disney Plus. So that sounds really good. And mate, that's my weekend sorted. I'm going to go on Stars. I'm going to because I bet there's some bangers on there that I can't get anywhere else that I'm going to have a watch. Yeah, watch it on uh, watch it on Stars. Watch Wicker Man on Stars, and uh, we'll chat about it next week. Um, in the meantime, anyone got any? Uh, any reasons why we were wrong about the holiday this week or want to uh, talk about The Wicker Man, uh, drop us a message on infinitefilmclub.com and uh, we'll we'll read, read out your suggestions or reviews or or questions. Um, and we've also got an email address. What is that, George? That email address is infinitefilmclub at gmail.com. So nice and easy. And um, yeah, like you said, Dan, get on the website, email us, give us five stars, write a review, all this stuff because... You know, we love hearing from fans and um, yeah, you know, really enjoyed doing this and it's all good. Amazing. Well, mate, I will chat to you next week about The Wicker Man. Um, Other than that, have a great week and I'll speak to you then. Absolutely. See you later, Dan. See you, mate.